Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome everybody to The Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with the very twinkly Tyler Dean. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. You're very twinkly today. Nah, I don't agree. Yeah, you, I, I can see it's like a, a, a toothpaste commercial. It's like, ding! Jeez. Come on. Come on. See, he's, he's very angry. Very I'm angry. not angry. He's the very testy Tyler Dean today. Uh. <laughs> you didn't think I had others. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tyler, fun week in football. The the universe is starting to right itself. In a way, I think there's still more to happen. Yeah, the, to change. Oh, there's still more, but but it's all starting to kind of come full circle here. We're seeing a lot of different teams uh, um, returning to form. A lot of players returning to form. I'm kind of excited about that. It, it's all starting to feel like, <clears throat> like the good old days, right, Tyler? Is that what we'll say? I, we can go with that. <laughs> <laughs> in in some occasions, it's the good old days. In some occasions, the bad old days. Um, but uh, yeah, we got we we had a hell of a week. Hell of a week. Lots of records being broken, and and players just just I mean coming alive here. We saw a few weird performances, but not nearly as many as last week. We saw a lot of upsets last week. Um, this week, everything kind of returns to form. So, uh, uh, for the most part, there's still a couple games that kind of went weird. Yeah, a few strange ones. A few strange ones. Uh, a couple of big performances from player. Uh, a couple of players that that you didn't exactly imagine having those type of big performances. But I mean, ultimately, you know, every dog has its day. But uh, Tyler, with that, I mean, I mean, it's score time, baby. Let's get, let's get down to business. Opening it up, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the NFL scores and. Uh, Starting out, Colts and Patriots. The New England Patriots top the Indianapolis Colts 38 to 24. Andrew Luck goes 38 for 59 for 365, three touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Naheim Hines, 15 carries for 45 yards, led the team in rushing. And uh, the old lion Eric Ebron led the team in receiving nine receptions for 105, two touchdowns, getting in some work in there. Chester Rogers had eight for 66. And Ryan Grant also had six receptions for 58 yards. Over with the Patriots, Tom Brady, 34 for 44, 341, three touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Sony Michael, Michelle, Michael, whatever the hell his name is, 18 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown, led the team in rushing. Uh, James White led the team in receiving. It's kind of scary when a running back leads your team in receiving. Uh, 10 receptions, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Rob Gronkowski saw some time, six receptions for 75 yards. And Julian Edelman. Makes his return, seven receptions, 57 yards. Uh, Josh Gordon also got to see some playing time. He had two receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. Tyler, what you got, Tyler? The New York Jets beat the Denver Broncos 34-16. The Jets now go to 2-3, and three, and the Broncos are also at 2-3. and three. Case Keenum went 35-51, 377 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. And Philip Lindsay led the team in carries, went, had 12 carries and 61 yards. Demarius Thomas had five receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. So nice, nice game for Demarius Thomas. Emmanuel Sanders was also out there with nine receptions and 72 yards. On the Jets side, Sam Darnold went 10 for 22, 198 yards, three touchdowns, and, and an interception. 
Isaiah Crowell led the team 15 carries, 219 yards on the ground and a touchdown. While Robbie Anderson had three receptions, 123 yards and two touchdowns through the air. So big game there for, for the Jets offense. Monster game. What do you got? <clears throat> the Detroit football lie downs, as I like to call them. The Lions uh, beat the Green Bay Packers 31 to 23. Lions go to 2-3, the Packers go to bed 2-2-1. Aaron Rodgers, 32 for 52, 442 yards, three touchdowns on the day. Uh, Aaron Jones, seven carries for 40 yards, led the team. Receiving-wise, Devontae Adams had quite the day. Nine receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown. And Aquanimius St. Brown, three receptions for 89 yards. Jimmy Graham also got some time, six receptions for 76 yards. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling had seven receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Lance Kendricks also hit the end zone on two receptions for just eight yards. Over on the Lions side, Matt Stafford, 14 for 26, 183, two touchdowns. Kerryon Johnson had 12 carries for 70 yards. LeGarrette Blunt, 12, 12 carries for 22 yards, hit the end zone twice. Uh, Kenny Galladay had a pretty fun day, actually. Four receptions, 98 yards, and a touchdown, showing off that playmaking ability. Uh, Golden Tate, five receptions for 42 yards as the Detroit Lions defeat the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Tyler, what you got? New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers go up 33-31, and they go up to 3-1 coming out their bye week, and the Giants drop to 1-4. Eli Manning went 22-36, 326 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. While Odell Beckham came in the game and had one, one attempt for 57 yards and a touchdown. Saquon Barkley had 15 carries on 48 yards on the ground, and Odell Beckham led the team at receiving with eight receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown. What do you got? Uh, oh, the ball. I'm sorry. I'm just uh, getting ahead of myself. Yeah, man. Um, Saquon Barkley also had four receptions for 81 yards of the air with two touchdowns. So, good game for Barkley. Yeehaw. But then the Panthers side of the ball. Um, Cam Newton went 21 for 35, 237 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Christian McCaffrey had 17 carries and 58 yards. Devin Funches led the team through the year with four receptions and 53 yards, but it was uh, Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey who each got touchdowns. What do you got? Uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. Bills topped the Titans 13-12 to um, in a game that could best be described as the Toilet Bowl. Um, Marcus Mariota, 14 for 26, 129 yards and an interception. Derrick Henry, 11 carries for 56 yards. Deion Lewis also had 12 carries for 34. Receiving-wise on the Titans' side, Corey Davis, four receptions for 49 yards. Tajay Sharp, three receptions for 30 yards. And Taewon Taylor had three receptions for 30 yards as well. And then on the Bills' side, Josh Allen, 10 for 19, didn't break 100, only 82 yards and an interception. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, 24 carries, 85 yards. Chris Ivory got some time as well, 14 carries for 43 yards. LaShawn McCoy kind of came alive there for the first time we've seen all season. Uh, Receiving-wise, just an abysmal day for the Buffalo Bills. We've seen that we have this is a horrible day. The fact that they even still won this game is mind-boggling to me. LaShawn McCoy, two receptions for 23 yards, led the team. Zay Jones, three for 20. Just a horrible day through the air as the Buffalo Bills squeak by the Titans 13-12. Tyler, what you got? The Pittsburgh Steelers just put a thrashing on the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons now dropped to 1-4 after being a potential deep playoff favorite. The Steelers are now 2-2-1 as they win 41-17. Matt Ryan went 26-38, for 285 yards and a touchdown. While Matt Schaub also came in the game, I think his things kind of got bad with 5-7 for seven and 20 yards. 
Devontae Freeman led the team on the ground with 8 carries and 32 yards, and Tevin Coleman had 15, carries, 15 yards and 7 carries. Austin Hooper led the team on receiving with 9 receptions and 77 yards, but it was Mohamed Sanu who got the, the, the one touchdown for the Falcons. On the Steelers' side, Big Ben went 19 for 29, 250 yards, 3 touchdowns and 1 pick. James Conner had 21 carries, 110 yards on the ground with 2 touchdowns. Antonio Brown had six receptions and 102 yards and two touchdowns. And James Conner had another 75 yards in the air. And it was Juju Smith-Schuster who also got the, the other touchdown for Ben as he had four receptions and 34 yards with that touchdown. What do you got? The Cleveland Browns top your Baltimore Ravens 12-9, Tyler, um, in overtime. Uh, Joe Flacco, 29 for 56, 298 yards and an interception. A little bit of a rough day for there for Joey. Alex Collins, 12 carries for 59 yards, led the team. Michael Crabtree, six receptions for 66 yards. He did have two drops in the end zone. John Brown, four receptions for 58 yards. And Willie Sneed had five for 55, as well as Javorius Allen was six for 44. So Joe's still doing that spreading the ball out thing. Uh, Baker Mayfield for the Cleveland Browns, 25 for 43, 342 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Carlos Hyde had 17 carries for 63 yards, leading the team. Uh, Duke Johnson did get to see some time. Five carries for 35 yards. Very good average there. Um, David Njoku led the team receiving-wise. Six receptions for 69 yards. Jarvis Landry had five receptions for 69 yards. Richard Higgins had three receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown. And Derek Willies, that's a fun name, Derek Willies, uh, three receptions, 61 yards. Uh, as the Cleveland Browns move to 2-2-1 two, two, and one on the year, dropping the Ravens to 3-2. and two. Tyler, what you got? Miami Dolphins, Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals continue to have their uh, great beginning of the season. They go up 27-17. They go to 4-1 and one of the season, and the Miami Dolphins, after a 3-0 start, are now 3-2. and two. Ryan Tannehill went 20-35, 185 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Frank Gore, playing like he has alien blood, still going strong at 12 12 carries and 63 yards, a 5.2 average. So he's still playing like he's young again. He's, he's still there. He's, he's still going. He's, he's number four on the all-time rushing list. He's Frank Gore is making a case for for the hall there. You think they just they just hand the ball off to him and then like stick him in a golf cart or something and let him roll down the field? <laughs> is that is that what goes on? He's got like he's got they they just have like the medical trainers pull out and stick him on the board and just say all right let's drive you down there. But we, 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 we laugh about it. We see these types of players that play well in their, their 30s, like, that, like they're young, and you see it all the time. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's remarkable to see guys at this team play at such a high level. Like Gore and Breeze and Brady and these types of fellas. Like more, more like that's where they get hit all the time. Like you're, like you're uh, Suggs and Harrison. You have the guy in your team uh, up till last year, right? Uh, Kendricks? No, 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 no. That would be, um, oh, shoot. Okay, I always forget this guy's name. Um, I'll look him up. Continue. Um, but Kevin Drake, the starter, also had six carries and 46 yards. As he, as, uh, he's been trying to work his way back in the offense. Terrence Newman. Yeah, Terrence Newman, that guy. Um, he started to slow down finally. He's pretty old. Yeah, he was um, up there. Kevin Drake also had seven receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown. So Kevin Drake did have a really good game. On the Bengals side, Andy Dalton went 20 for 30, 248 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Joe Mixon saws me back in the offense and he ran the ball 22 times for 93 yards. AJ Green had six receptions for 112 yards through the air. It was Joe Mixon who had a solo touchdown at 22 yards, and Mixon had himself a game. What do you got? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs advanced to 5-0, defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars 30-14. Uh, Blake Bortles. 
33 for 61, 430 yards. He had a, a t one touchdown, but four interceptions in this game. TJ Yeldon, TJ Yeldon, there we go. 10 carries for 53 yards um, in the absence of Leonard Fournette there. Uh, Dante Moncrief, six receptions for 76 yards. Keelan Cole, four for 70. And TJ Yeldon also had eight receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown. So Yeldon playing a big role in that offense. Over on the Chiefs side, Patrick Mahomes, 22 for 38, 313 yards, two picks, no and no touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes this game. Uh, Kareem Hunt, 22 carries, 87 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill uh, also had two for 26, and Mahomes did get some rushing yards. He also had a rushing touchdown, four carries for 13 yards and a touchdown with his legs. Travis Kelsey had five receptions for 100 yards. Sammy Watkins, six for 78. Tyreek Hill, four for 61 as the uh, Kansas City Chiefs continue their hot streak moving forward. Tyler, what you got? What I have is the Oakland Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers go up 26-10 as they go to 3-2 and two and the Raiders drop to 1-4. and four. Derek Carr went 24-33, 268 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Marshawn Lynch had nine carries and 31 yards. Martavius Bryant led the team at receiving with three receptions and 91 yards. Jordy Nelson also had a decent game with four receptions and 43 yards and a touchdown. Amari Cooper was, was barely visible with one reception on 10 yards. That's surprising. He's had a rough, rough couple of years. Yeah, this last two years, Amari Cooper has been sinking slowly. He needs to get to a new team, I think. Phillip Rivers has himself quite the game, uh, going 22 for 27, 339 yards and two touchdowns. Melvin Gordon with 19 carries and 58 yards and a touchdown. And there's Keenan Allen who led the team receiving with eight receptions and 90 yards. But Austin Eckler also had a, he had one reception for a, a, a nice big bomb at 44 yards. Got, got in the end zone very early in the game. Mm. And that, 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 that one, what do, you, what do you got? Oh, boy. Um, my Minnesota Vikings defeat the uh, reigning Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles 23-21. Vikings advance 2-2-1. Eagles go 2-3. Kirk Cousins, 30 for 37, 301 and a touchdown. Still showing why he is the guy over there. Latavius Murray had 11 carries for 42 yards in the absence of uh, Delvin Cook. Adam Thielen continues his big year. Seven receptions, 116 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs also had 10 receptions for 91 yards. And uh, Kyle Rudolph, five receptions for 41 yards. Kirk Cousins showing why he's the guy spreading that ball out a little bit. Over on the Eagles' side, Carson Wentz, 24 for 35 for 311 yards, two touchdowns. Jay Ajayi had eight carries for 21 or 29 yards. Wendell Smallwood also had three carries for 27. Um, Zach Ertz leads the Eagles in receiving. Uh, it's kind of an, uh, a, a normal thing. Ten receptions for 110 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Shelton Gibson had one reception for 48 yards, and Nelson Aguilar had four for 45. Wendell Smallwood, who had three catching out of the backfield, 44 yards and one touchdown. Um, Elshon Jeffrey got pretty well shut down, actually, by, by Xavier Rhodes in this game as well. Two receptions for 39 yards. Tyler, what you got? I have the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. The division game, the Rams win in a shootout. And they win 33-31. They moved to 5-0 and when the Seahawks dropped to 2-3. Jared Goff went 23-32, 321 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. So Jared Goff was a big human in this game, but Jared Goff is still proven to be a very, very good game manager. Todd Gurley had 22 carries, 77 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. 
while Robert Woods had two carries for 53 yards on the ground as well. And then through the year, Robert Woods led the team with five receptions and 92 yards. Cooper Cup got in the end zone yet again with six receptions on with 90 yards with that touchdown. So Cooper Cup continued to have a great season. Fantastic year. Very breakout year for him. And then as per usual, Todd Gurley also had some, some yards through the year, too, with four receptions and 36 yards. Uh, their other um, boomer here, uh, Brandon Cooks, spent most of the game injured with a concussion, so he didn't, he didn't get the ball once. Oh, boy. Um, on, the, on the Seahawks side, Russell Wilson goes 13 for 21, 198 yards, three touchdowns. Chris Carson has 19 carries, 116 yards. Mike Davis had 12 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Tyler Rocket had three receptions, 98 yards, and a touchdown. And David Moore had three receptions, 38 yards, and two touchdowns. What do you got? Uh, in an interdivisional matchup, Arizona Cardinals top San Francisco 49ers 28-18. to uh, Cardinals get their first win of the year as the Niners drop to 1-4. Josh Rosen, a miserable 10 for 25, 170 yards and a touchdown. David Johnson, 18 carries for 55 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Christian Kirk had three receptions for 85 and a touchdown. And Larry Fitzgerald had two for 35 yards. Over on the Niners side, C.J. Bethard actually had himself a pretty decent day. 34 for 54, 349, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Alfred Morris was the star running back there, 18 for six, 18 carries for 61 yards. And uh, Matt Breda got to see some time, 18 or eight carries for 56 yards. Uh, George Kittle, once again, leads the team in receiving five receptions for 83 yards. Kyle Juszczyk, uh, six receptions for 75 yards. And Trent Taylor, seven receptions for 61 yards. Pierre Garçon, 5 for 47. Trent Taylor also had a touchdown receiving in that game, as did Matt Breda with just one catch for five yards. Tyler, what you got? Battle of Texas. They had the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans. Houston Texans were up 19-16, as both teams are now 2-3 and three of the year. Dak Prescott went 18 for 29, 208 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Ezekiel Elliott had 20 carries and 54 yards. Geoff Swam, he had 355 yards. It's, it's, it's Jeff Swaim. Jeff Swaim, okay, sure. Geoff Swam, really? Whatever. AI is A. Sure. <laughs> Another team with only three receptions. Tavon Austin had one, one reception of 44 yards. On the Texan side, Deshaun Watson has been 33 for 44, 375 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Alpha Blue led the team in carries with 20 carries and 46 yards in it. it and uh, Lamar Miller was a uh, healthy scratch to kind of keep him because uh, he's still kind of nursing an injury. Ooh. Deshaun Watson also had ten, he ran the ball ten times for forty yards. That shows you the amount of pressure that they were putting on him. Absolutely. This, uh, DeAndre Hopkins had nine receptions on one hundred and fifty-one yards. He continues to be the workhorse of this pass game. Well, Kiki Cootie had had the touchdown with six receptions, fifty-one yards. That's a fun name, Kiki Cootie. Yes, it is. <laughs> And who's really missing in this game is Will Fuller only had two receptions and 15 yards. Ooh. What do you got? Uh, last but not least, Monday night football, New Orleans Saints against the Washington Redskins. New Orleans tops the Skins 43-19. Alex Smith, 23 for 39, 275, threw an interception. Uh, Chris Thompson led the team in rushing, just a horrible rushing attack. Two or Eight carries for 17 yards. Yuck. Uh, Capri Bibbs and Alex Smith both got in the end zone. Uh, rushing-wise um, on four carries and two carries, but single-digit yards. Uh, Jamison Crowder, four receptions for 55 yards. 
Paul Richardson, four receptions for 50, and Maurice Harris had three for 47. Chris Thompson also had six for 45. So really spreading the ball out over there. Just a rough day offensively for the Redskins. Over on the Saints side, Drew Brees, a record-setting day, 26 for 29, 363, three touchdowns. Mark Ingram had uh, 16 carries for 53 yards and two touchdowns in his return. Alvin Kamara definitely slowed down. Uh, six carries for 24 yards, nothing going on there. And Taysom Hill also had five carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Receiving-wise, Traquan Smith led the team on three receptions for 111 yards and two touchdowns. Big game for him. Uh, Michael Thomas had four receptions for 74. Cameron Meredith had five for 71. And uh, Josh Hill only had two for 24, but he did see the end zone in that game. And that would be it for our scores. But, Tyler, while we're here... Before we get into Tyler's fun time, um, I want to talk about Drew Brees. I want to talk about about Drew Brees and what Drew Brees is doing um, and what he's done throughout his career. Um, Just, I I mean, when I said record-setting game, the man has set the the record for um, passing yards, beat it by over 200 yards and counting. so we got to ask the question, Does the, is Drew Brees potentially the greatest quarterback of the Super Bowl era? Uh, I think he's in the conversation, but I think at the same time, uh, Brees is a gunslinging quarterback. You'd expect him to have gotten to, that, to this point before, say, Tom Brady. Um, I expect Matt Stafford to break the 70,000 mark by the time he retires, because he's also a gunslinging quarterback. Yep. Um, so that, that, that comes into play. By a great, or Brees is... Definitely one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. There's no question. Yeah, I think he's one of the most underrated, but I think he is, he's one of the most. Uh, I think he's not only underrated, but he's overlooked. Just straight up overlooked in oh, a lot of 100%. situations. Uh, you know, he he was over there with with San Diego. He got traded to the Saints. I was and I so when in 2009, I remember like uh, so many people had predicted the New Orleans Saints are going to win the Super Bowl in 2009. I remember that um, in such a way where, I mean, it was it was before the season even started. It was it was the New Orleans Saints are winning the Super Bowl. You can't stop them. They're too damn good. Drew Brees is too damn good. And, man, he, he really was too damn good. Uh, he came in and, and just tore, set the world on fire over there. And, and just watching him for the last, um, you know, almost 10 years now, I'm – I don't know if I could be more impressed by a quarterback. And we always hear about Aaron Rodgers. And we always hear about Tom Brady. We always hear those two names. We always heard about Peyton Manning. But we never hear about guys like Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers and all the things that they have done throughout their career. Rivers is, to me, the the, the bigger underrated one. There's no one talks about Phillip Rivers. Nobody talks about Rivers. Um, And, you know, Brees is, is, I mean, at 39 years old, is he – I think finally he's uh, – people have always been comparing him to Marino. That's that's always the, been the measuring stick, Marino. Am I wrong? Correct. I mean, and, and that's – Marino's always – Well, and Montana. Montana, yeah. Mar- Marino and Montana have always been the, the measuring stick. Do we start saying that I, – I mean, and I think a big reason that, that we're always talking about Joe Montana and we're always talking about him is because of all the Super Bowls and that 49ers dynasty that we saw for such a long time that was led by Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. We always saw that. Now, 
are we are we talking in spite of the the only one Super Bowl? Are we talking about Drew Brees as possibly being better than Joe Montana at this point? Because of I mean just because of the Super Bowls, I mean does Montana become better because of the championships? I I think you still put Montana above Drew Brees. Drew Brees, yeah. I I still put Peyton Manning above Drew Brees. Really. I, I still have Peyton Manning above Joe Montana. I, I think Peyton Manning, and I think there's there's an argument to be made for for a guy like Peyton Manning at this point, um, because of the fact that Peyton Manning was a guy. Not only did he win two Super Bowls, but he also um, the way that man commands an offense is is something interesting. Um, he he basically is the offensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> to me, there's not a, there's not a quarterback in the history of the league that can that read defenses the way Peyton did. Right. Um, Drew Brees is just, he's something to behold. I, I love watching, uh, uh, Drew Brees play, even though I, I, I hate the Saints. Don't get me wrong. I hate the Saints because they, they did beat my Vikings in that, that, uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, Saints NFC championship game, but I guess that's neither here nor there. Um, so notable records for Drew Brees to break. Um, one's going to go this week. Which one do you think that is? Well, it's not a record per se, but we're, but um, this week, um, barring any setbacks, he's going to throw his 500 touchdown. Mm, yeah. He's at 499. Yep. So, uh, and that's fourth in NFL history. So, so that could be a thing. Um, now Breeze, he's he's got a ways to go, but but he's still um, uh, he could break the the uh, completion per record. So that that could be a thing. I think both Brady and Breeze. They're both up for it. Brady 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 did also just threw his fifth hundred touchdown pass. Yep, and then and we'll say, but uh, I think they both they both end up being number one and number two in passing touchdowns. I think uh, they they each only need one more season, and they'll 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 pass Peyton Manning on that one. Now, do you think Drew Brees at this point in time, with everything he's done, do you think that that he? Uh, um, do you think that that he winds up continuing onward? I mean, he's got a two-year deal with the Saints, so he'll be with them through his age 40, 41 season. Now, does um, does Drew Brees continue onward now in his eighteenth season here? Does does he continue onward after his contract is up? I think he does. I don't. I don't think he's ready to retire yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I he could be. You know. Um, he has 252 starts in, his, in a regular season, um, 47 games left. He'll pass Brett Favre's mark for 298. Does he, does he pass that? How many games does he need? 47. 47 left to go. So with this season and next season, he'll have, what, 38 game, or 28 more games. So we're, we're talking, talking a season and a half, a season half, and a half, half after. Over. Yep. I say yes. And that's if he continues. If he continues and, and does a two-year stint, so he does have the the chance to do that. Um, Breeze is at four ninety-nine. Uh, Brady had his five hundred touchdown this week. We've touched on that. Peyton Manning does hold that record for the most touchdown passes. Five thirty-nine. Five thirty-nine. Yep. Um, and uh, so forty touchdowns to go for Brady. Forty-four for Breeze. Yeah, um, and, and for both those guys, that's only one season. Well, that's a, that's one good season for either. Right. Now, uh, career passing attempts is another one he has uh, a possibility to break. Um, yes, Favre has that one too. Brett Favre, ten, <laughs> yeah, ten thousand one hundred ninety-six attempts. 
Uh, Breeze, he's in second for, with 9,455. Um, and there, there really isn't anybody that, that is near him. The closest guy is Brady, uh, 8,984 attempts. And just just to keep this in mind for kind of everybody, um, um, Brady and Breeze's stats are very close, but keep in mind Brady's played longer. Right. And so Breeze is, is just uh, caught up and is going to gonna surpass Brady on this pending how long they each play. Pending, he, he continues. Now, Breeze has said he could play till he's 45 years old. Um, Breeze is on pace to throw 644 passes this year. So um, if he does that, then he, he would break that record um, next year. Uh, other notable uh, records for Drew Breeze, career completion, 6,344. He has the most seasons leading the NFL in passing yards with seven. Uh, most career 400-yard passing games with 16. Most career 300-yard passing games with 111. Um, highest completions in a season, 471 in 2016. Most single season completion percentage, or highest rather, 72% in 2017. He has uh, the touchdown passes in a single game. He's tied for first with seven. Um, consecutive games with a touchdown pass, 54. Consecutive games with 300 passing yards. He did it nine times. Uh, or he had nine games, um, and he did it twice. Um, most 5,000-yard passing seasons, he had five and most seasons leading the league in passing, seven. So um, huge, huge career for, for Drew Brees. I think there's no doubt he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, so that is uh, definitely something to uh, applaud Mr. Brees for. Uh, kudos to, to uh, Drew Brees. Tom Brady throws his 500 touchdown pass. Uh, we already touched on that one. Um, does Tom Brady break the the touchdown pass record, Tyler? Yes, he does. Yep. Um, now, do you think do you think Breeze? I mean, now let, let's talk about Drew Breeze a little bit more because I think Breeze is is having a bigger year touchdown wise than Tom Brady. Do you think Breeze winds up just coming up and just snatching that out of, away from him? Breeze will break it before Tom, Tom does. Yeah, and I think that's the case. Breeze um, has finally caught him after after being what four seasons behind. Yep. Breeze has caught him. Breeze is going to pass him. Yeah, and I, I think Breeze is is too damn good. Um, and and how bad does that sting if you're Tom Brady after everything? It, it stings, but uh, if I mean if Brady's right and he's going to play those forty five, he'll eventually pass Breeze when Breeze retires. But I don't know if Brady's going to be able to hang around as long as he thinks he's going to. Right, right, right. But they're both going to. Pass Peyton. Yes, I, I agree. They're they're both going to pass Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning will still go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, so I mean, it, it it's just an outstanding outstanding year for for those two guys and an outstanding career for both of them. Uh, we had one other record kind of go falling down. Um, let's talk about my boy Adam Thielen. Five straight weeks of hundred of hundred yards. Yep, first receiver to have five straight weeks of hundred yards uh, in weeks one through five. Um, Great. You know, this this one's like really a feel-good story. It, it really is. Guy goes undrafted, uh, went to the University of Minnesota, or uh, Minnesota State University, rather. Um, I mean, he he's just a, a – it's, a, it's such a good story because of the fact that he went undrafted. He was a walk-on guy. He, he gets signed by the Vikings. He comes out, and, and for a couple of years he's quiet, and then – Three years in a row, he just blows up. Um, he's having a monster year right now, 589 yards. 
Um, he's got a career that that uh, has spanned from 2014 to 2018. He, he's he's not a touchdown machine by any means, but he's he's a playmaker for them. He's he's a guy that that really uh, uh, shortens the field pretty quick when they get the ball in his hands. He's a reception type of receiver. He's all reliable for them. Um, 28 years old. How important you know? The guy's got three years left on his deal, so he's got he's got this year, he's got next year, and then the year after. Um, how important is Adam Thielen to this organization, Tyler? Oh, right now he's huge as organization. Between him and Diggs and and Rudolph, they have, they have a nice punch there. And Rudolph's been pretty quiet. Um, and then you got Cook. Cook has been battling injuries. He's been but, quiet this year too. But also been battling injuries. But uh, I, I, right right now, uh, Thielen's uh, very important to this team. But it is worth noting, I mean, he his first couple of years were not fantastic, and is it possible that he would revert back to that? Sure, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, I think I think you got a guy who really is developed. You don't see this often, though. You don't see an undrafted free agent come walking into the league, um, spend two years in the league, and then and then you know turn into this monster. And and the guy has really been almost unstoppable. Um, to opposing defenses. I mean, I have yet to see somebody really, truly slow him down, uh, especially this year. The, the guy has, and, and now that he's got a good quarterback, you know, under the helm, I, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for, for this guy. He's, and he's not leading the league in, in um, you know, uh, yardage, but he is having himself just a fantastic year. And, and a lot of these guys that are, are leading the league in yardage, are guys that have had 160, 170, 200 yard games throughout the season, whereas he's consistently put up that hundred yards. So I mean, really, at that point, what would you rather have? Would you rather have Calvin Ridley putting up 170 or Adam Thielen consistently putting up a little over 100 and a touchdown every game? Yeah, people, well, you'll, you'll, you always go for consistency. It's a, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I like so much about Adam Thielen. So kudos to him for for being that guy. Um, now. One other uh, little bit of a record that we want to talk about here. Rookie QBs went 4-0 in Week 5, Tyler. That's, that's huge. That's a big deal. Is that, is that starting to become a, um, a, uh, a trend in this league, or is that, is that showing the future? I mean, are, are we going to see the future here with the rookie quarterbacks? Are they starting to finally get it? Um, I'm not going to go that far yet. I, I want to see a couple more weeks see how they do what, you had one week where they all did really well. I, I want to see that can continue. I'm yeah. not, not going to jump on that bandwagon yet. And I don't know that they all went went um, really well. Like Josh uh, Allen, yeah, he won, but he put up 89 yards. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have himself a monster game. Um, you know, he. So, did, is it the future for certain guys? I, I think guys like like Baker, uh, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, yeah. and is it is it the future for? Uh, um, you know, Sam Darnold. Is it is it the future for him? Or, or do you expect Sam Darnold to, to get it and become I'm, the next big thing? I'm not sold on Sam Darnold yet. I, I don't know that I am at this point. Um, but, you know, it's there. Uh, Josh Rosen, same thing. You know, he, he's – do you buy Josh Rosen at this point? Sample size isn't there. He's only been a couple of games since he came in. I, it's, it's, it's hard to tell with him. Right. So, so there's there's some questions there, um, but but it is the the first time that we we've seen that in in a single week. All all the rookie quarterbacks going going uh, uh, picking up wins all in the same week. So kudos to the uh, the rooks there getting the job done. 
Um, with that, Tyler. Um, just the one, one last one. Since then, we, then we're not putting putting anyone in the uh, wrong league second, second later. Mm -hmm. One last little bit of a kind of a record news, or it, 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 this was kind of news last week and the week before, but it's it's, it's continued on this week again. And, uh, that's the Ravens defense Woo. has uh, in the second half of football games has not allowed a single touchdown. It's never done in history. Never even come close to it being for the first five weeks. So the, 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 that defense is proving to be. Uh, Lights out in the second half of football games. They're 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 doing their part of closing games. Yeah, they're in in that defense. You know, for years and years and years, we've we've been talking about the uh, the Ravens defense. Um, and I I I think that the the uh, Ravens defense is is something to behold right now. Uh, C.J. Mosley anchors that defense. If if they're smart, they're going to sign them. Um, and and you were I, I know off the air you and I were talking about Jimmy Smith uh, a little bit and how the the Ravens could deal Jimmy Smith. Um, it's it's a possibility. Uh, not many teams can say they can trade one of the best defensive players and, and not miss a beat. And the Ravens defense, keep in mind, they just got Jimmy Smith back, and they were doing this before Jimmy Smith even came back. Right, and and like you said, that's a good problem to have. You know, you were saying that that that's a good problem to have where you you got corners everywhere. Uh, I think that's great for them anyway. Um, it, it's, it makes them a, a definite terror um, to a lot of opposing teams. I, I think the, the Ravens are a few pieces away from, from being uh, uh, you know, back to where they were, being a, a Super Bowl caliber team. They're, they're starting to look like that over, over the last few weeks. And I'm not one to uh, – you never predict a touchdown's not going to happen, but if there was a week in which you can say, yeah, this could continue – I think it's a very favorable matchup against uh, the struggling Mariota. Oh, yeah. And I think Ravens could make it six straight of no touchdowns in the second half of a football game. Definitely a possibility. I think that they have a possibility of shutting down the Titans the entire game. Uh, the Titans have played so badly. Um, but we I, also have to understand. Yeah, I think it'll be week seven against the Saints, and you'll see that that, um, that little miracle case of second-half defenses go, go down the drain when they face the Saints. Right, right, right. And, and the um, – uh, the the Saints are are obviously we we just got done talking about them they're they're obviously monsters so so that's something that we're gonna have to look at um you know the the Buffalo Bills I mean understanding the Titans had a rough week we do have to understand that Buffalo Bills have the sixth ranked defense in the league so so while the Bills offense is kind of garbage at least they have a, a high ranked defense um but I, I want to see what exactly uh, uh, goes on. Um, and the Titans, right now, offensively, rough. Um, Baltimore does have the number three defense in the league, however. So uh, that's that's something to behold there. Um, and uh, with that, Tyler, why don't we go ahead and we'll take a quick break, word from our sponsors, and we'll come back for uh, our very special weekly segment, a.k.a. Tyler's Top Ten. And we'll, we'll go through that, and we'll have ourselves a fun old time. Sound good to you, Bo? Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll be right back right here. On the Outside Blitz. This episode of the Outside Blitz is brought to you by Jordan J. Scavone, children's book author extraordinaire. Jordan has two books available currently. Mighty is about a four-year-old girl with social anxiety starting preschool. In order to overcome her fears of going to school, she becomes a superhero. And Jordan's brand new book, The Mud Princess, is the story of Georgia a girl who defies the looks and ideals of her princess peers. When the other princesses are captured by a dragon, Georgia must decide if she should help those who shunned and mocked her, or if she should save them. 
Both of Jordan's books are available on Amazon, and you can follow Jordan on Facebook at facebook.com backslash mightebook. Also, check out jordanjscavone.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-J-S-C-A-V-O-N-E.com for all updates on both books. And welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your host, Tyler Dean. The tiny Tyler Dean. That's accurate. <laughs> and I'm here with my co-host, Scotty Freytown. The fabulous one, baby. And uh, Tyler... I, I know we, we jumped right into record-setting days and things like that. I know it probably made you very sad in the pants, did it not? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm not sure you'll be fine. Um, but uh, we're going to come back right here, right now, with an edition of what I like to call... Tyler's Top Ten! Oh, yeah. yeah aren't you excited? Always you, excited. You get, your, you get your segment rocking now. Week five was uh, quieter. Um, I'm actually not doing honorable mentions this week. Just there's there's so uh, it was it's quieter, but but I think you had enough to to fill out the top ten. Oh no, I, I had no problem with the top ten. Like in past weeks, I was doing the honorable mentions. There's like twenty five like <laughs> Like this week, there are only like fifteen or so. Yeah, some some things kind of got really stupid after a while. Yeah, a lot I mean, of things were defense heavy. Yeah, th- this week was a very defensive week. A very special teams kind of week, actually. Oh, that, that too. A lot, of, a lot of special teams battles going on in the NFL. Weird, weird week for the NFL. Let's go jump right into it. Number 10. Yeah. Eric Ebron. Ebron. He has himself a game. Nine receptions, 105 yards, two touchdowns. And I believe this is not his first time in my top 10. I think it's the second. Is it? Is it the second? He, uh, I think it's a... I don't know. He might have been honorable mention. Yeah, he might have been an honorable mention. But in a way, he's, he's playing so much better now than he did when he was the Detroit Lions. I don't know what it is because um, Colts don't have an offensive line. Yeah, guys, guys having a year. Oh yeah. Um, uh, you know, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's having a, a humongous year, but but the one stat that stands out about Eric Ebron: five touchdown passes this year through five weeks, um, including two this past week against the Patriots. Um, and, and this is his biggest yardage day of the year, 105 yards, nine receptions. Um, he hits the end zone twice. Um, Ebron's a, a – a, I, I think um, there, there are uh, a lot of Detroit Lions fans who are kicking themselves for ragging on this guy so hard because, you know, for, for all the, the, the dropping stuff that they had uh, – uh, that they, they they were complaining about and whatever the case may be. The the one stat I always pointed out was Eric Ebron was I, I think he's fifth all time in in uh, receptions by a tight end in his first five years. So for for that wow. yeah so for that that to happen you know sure he had he had drops but think about that because that that kind of tells you how many targets he's had. I would hope that he would drop a few. You know <laughs> I mean after after all those targets but. Um, Nine receptions for 105 shows his versatility. He's always been a good blocker, um, and and now he has five touchdowns. He's hitting the red zone. A, he's getting hit in the red zone a lot uh, by Andrew Luck. So I, I really really like this selection. I think he he definitely deserves to be in your top ten. Number nine, Traquan Smith. Traquan. He he went off and he when I say went off, yeah, he he's a he's a deep threat kind of guy. I mean, he went deep this week. He had three receptions, 111 yards, two times in the end zone. He picked apart the Redskins secondary, um, and and 
you know, only three receptions. So, I mean, he just he just kept having big play after big play after big play. Three receptions, 111 yards, as long as 62. Uh, two touchdowns in the game, and, and th- there was only two touchdowns of the season. Um, he's not having a, a monster year, but I definitely think he showed off that he's a vertical threat. I think this game opened up and his trust trust with uh, Drew Brees, and I think he might see some more action going forward. Yeah, he's very reminiscent of, of when Torrey Smith uh, exploded in Baltimore not too long ago and, and uh, you know, had himself a, a very big year. I think you remember that. Torrey Smith had himself oh, yeah. that, that big year where he was he was their big playmaker. Um, Traquan Smith is, is kind of resembling that or, or a Mike Wallace, if you will. Um, so I, I think Traquan is going to – I don't I don't see this type of production happening every week, but I think there's going to be about maybe three or four games this year where he has this type of production and, and shows himself as a big play threat. So we'll see how the, the Saints utilize him moving forward, but but I, I thought this was a hell of a performance by him. Speaking of uh, tearing apart uh, secondaries with just a few receptions, uh, Robbie Anderson, number eight, yeah. reception, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. The, the Jets' offense came alive this week. And the, Robbie Anderson was a big part of that. The Jets, I mean, it, it seemed like they that they finally just brought it all together. Um, they, they, you know, I remember the Jets for a long time were had this revered running game. I mean, that was that was the thing we talked about. The the Jets had this this great running game. Um, they they had it when and they they ran the ball well. But Darnold, um, Darnold got it allowed him to get opened up a little bit and and start hitting Robbie Anderson. And um, Darnold, I mean, he realistically, it, it's here's a, a fun fact for you. Darnold opened up, it opened him up to the deep ball and allowed him to get 198 yards through the air. 123 of it went to Robbie Anderson on three passes. Yeah, that's that to me says something, and it still allowed Sam Darnold to have a 98.1 passer rating. Um, and so, so I think that that really says something. Two out of Darnold's three passes on the day. Also went to Anderson, so um, huge, huge game um, for for uh, uh, Robbie Anderson. That 123 yards, the the touchdowns. He he he's getting. Robbie Anderson has shown he's the number one there. He's had a very slow start to this year, um, and and I, I mean, 22 yards against the Browns, 27 yards against the Dolphins, 41 yards against the Lions, 18 yards against the Jags. Um, so for I think he finally has had enough, and, and the fact that he did it against the Broncos defense I think is also a testament to just how good he is. Um, he's young, he's fast, he's got good hands. Um, I'd like to see where he goes from here. No, I, I'd definitely be curious. I mean, he's, he's a good receiver. I, I, I'd like to continue. Yes, absolutely. Number seven. Um, part of the stat line is going to kind of make you scratch your head going, well, this seems pretty high, um, given other people. But uh, Drew Brees had 363 yards and three touchdowns. But the stat I'm looking at is 26 for 29, 89% completion rating. Big completion percentage, didn't throw any picks, 153.2 passer rating on top of it. Uh, Drew Brees looked great, and, and he, he broke that record, which was fantastic. Um, geez, Tyler. We, so for those of you who don't know, Tyler has some horse dogs, and then he has another wonderful dog that likes to sit here and bark at the, at the microphones. So that's always a wonderful time. But uh, Drew Brees, huge, huge day for him. Three touchdowns, 363. Breaks that uh, that all-time passer record. Um, I'm excited to see where he keep, if he keeps going from here. He's only 39 years old. We were just talking about it earlier. Um, 
just an exciting day, and and I'm I'm with you on this one. Actually, the the completion percentage meant a lot, and, and I mean that that's usually if, if you look at um if if we were to look up uh com best completion percentage for guys who threw more than twenty five balls, I mean he, that this is this performance has to be near the top. I mean, yep, eighty nine percent. That that's massive. Yep, great completion percentage for for a quarterback, and and uh, that that means only three passes went awry. So everything he was throwing, he was connecting on, which I, I really love. Um, kudos to Drew Brees. I mean, he's just a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and, and he continues to show it. Number six, Saquon Barker. 129 yards of scrimmage, two touchdowns. Uh, Saquon is the only thing, I think, right now that the, the, uh, the, yeah, the, the, the Giants have. Um, this poor guy is, is just, he's getting run ragged over there. Um, the Giants don't have much for him. Um, he, he, he has no O-line. He has no blocking yet. He's still managing to put up numbers. He's still managing to be a threat. Um, four receptions this past week, 15 attempts, uh, for 48 yards. So he's, he's, but, uh, I, I like what what he what Saquon's doing. I might put this a little lower on the list, but uh, I I kind of agree with you that that he needs to be up here because of the fact that he was such a great catalyst against a, a actually a pretty decent Panthers defense. So uh, I I actually like this pick. Number five, we talk about um, the only thing that they have going for him, but yet yet they have two players in my top ten. Number five, Odell Beckham. Now, you look at one end of the stat line and you scratch your head thinking, there's other players that could have been here. Eight receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown. But what puts him here is he had his passing touchdown through the air, 57 yards. He had himself he had himself a game through the air. He catched the ball, and then he, and then he helped the offense out, throwing it through the air as well. Odell Beckham proved that if you have a decent arm and can be used if need be for trick plays. I, I, I thought Odell Beckham had a great performance this week. He did a uh, very good performance. It was it was probably his first monster performance of the year. Um, he's broken a hundred yards two other times in in this season, but um, this is first touchdown of the year. Uh, as long as thirty three yards, uh, first touchdown of the year. So I I mean I I agree with him actually putting him up here. I, I thought I see the the problem is is I don't think that. I believe that Saquon Barkley is very much like Ezekiel Elliott at this point, where where the Giants' offense kind of runs through him, um, and Odell Beckham is is so spotty that that I I mean even though he's he's hitting your top ten, um, I I don't think that Odell Beckham is is as consistent of a player as Saquon, um, and really I I believe that the Giants they need to get some better blocking for old Saquon Barkley there, but uh, I like this selection. Uh, 131 in a touchdown against a very good Panthers defense. Um, very good performance. Plus I the passing touchdown. Yeah, plus the passing touchdown. So I agree with this spot. Without that passing touchdown, he he, he falls out of the top ten completely. But that passing touchdown shows his versatility and what he did this week and what it meant for that team. Right. Number four, someone who's no stranger to this top ten. 113 scrimmage yards, three touchdowns for Todd Gurley. Todd mm -hmm. Gurley is the heart and soul of this offense. The much like Zeke, 
the uh, Rams' offense runs through Todd Gurley. The only difference is the rest of the offense is also pretty explosive right now. That they that their their offense is dangerous, but but it starts with Todd Gurley. Yep, just like it started with Marshall or um, Marshall Falk years ago. Marshall Falk was the heart of that defense. Everybody credits Kurt Warner. Marshall Falk was the guy that that uh, set up those dangerous runs. Um, and and Todd Gurley's the same way. Uh, huge game, 22 attempts, 77 yards, three touchdowns. Just a huge, huge game. Um, and he's the guy that really kept him in this game. Really. Uh, Absolutely. He, he's the one that kept him in this game because they were trailing for a lot of this game. And, and Gurley was the guy that was responding um, uh, each game. He's, he's had good games uh, week, after, week over week. Uh, the Chargers, 105 yards. He had 83 against the Vikings. He's declining a little bit right now in the yardage department, but those three end zone scores, uh, those three scores were big. Um, he's had seven receptions uh, rushing through the year so far. I love this. I think Todd Gurley is, is uh, definitely in the right spot. Number three, Aaron Rodgers, 32-52, 442 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, rough game for, uh, you know, it was a good game for Rodgers, rough game for the pack. Uh, Rodgers kind of got to, to, you know, eat a knuckle sandwich on this one. Um, the 442 yards, three touchdowns. He was playing from behind all game long. Lions got up early and they stayed up. And I mean, their kicking woes didn't help. I think if that gone a different way, this could have been a different game. Yeah, the, the kicking thing, you know, we had Mason Crosby been sinking those field goals. The Packers would have very, I mean, score-wise, if you look at it, that was 12 points that they lost out on, um, and and actually 13 points, and, and the Packers would have won that football game. Um, so Aaron Rodgers played well enough for the Packers to win. Um, he, he just didn't play well enough early, and, and he, he didn't really get any help from much of anybody else. Um, Adams had himself a decent game, but beyond that, um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, I agree with this. Uh, his completions percentage was a little bit down. Which makes it kind of. Uh, but like, like you said, we throw the ball that many times that things going to happen. Right. And he's playing from behind because he he couldn't rely on his kicker and I mean, he, he almost got him back in this game. Yeah, even in he he still managed to put up a hundred eight passer rating. So I think that that's a testament to Aaron Rodgers' ability as a quarterback. So uh, yeah, I, I I agree with this spot here. Number two, James Conner. James Conner. Um, he had 185 yards scrimmage, uh, 110 of that on the ground, two touchdowns. The Big guy, he's, he's stolen the starting spot from Le'Veon. Um, do I think James Conner is as good as Le'Veon? Uh, questionable. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't think he's better than Le'Veon Bell. But James Conner is no slouch. And, and he showed that um, understanding the Falcons' defense is not the best in the world. But still, 110 yards, two touchdowns. I think that says something about uh, on the ground. I think that says something about James Conner and what he's capable of. Um, and and this guy's kind of a steal. He was a third round pick in the 2017 draft. I, I mean, I, I think the the Steelers can move on from Le'Veon, and I think the Steelers can continue to be successful with James Conner as their number one guy. And uh, they they can can just forget paying all that money to Le'Veon Bell, and they can get a great player like James Conner on a discount. Now, here's a question for you, though. Um, is James Conner really good, or is this offense know how to uh, make good runners? Is, is he a product of a system? He could be a product of a system, but does it matter? 
I mean, that's, no, that's, the, that's a question of the day. It doesn't matter. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, you know, we asked the same question about Le'Veon Bell. How much is Le'Veon Bell a, a, you know, a system guy? He's got arguably one of the best offensive lines in the game. Uh, the Steelers choked up big money for that offensive line over the course of the last several years. So James Conner is, is um, you know, he's benefiting from it just like the, the Le'Veon did. And that's why, I mean, Le'Veon and James Conner, they both played behind that same O-line. Uh, Le'Veon still put up, you know, I mean, he had a couple of games where he was pushing 200 yards. Connor has yet to really, you know, blow up in that fashion. Um, I, I mean, he the closest he's got was 135 against the Browns. Uh, so I, I believe Connor is is kind of the next big thing in Pittsburgh. And, and could he develop? Sure. I mean, the kid's only, you know, what, 23? So, I mean, th this – but I believe the Steelers have enough of a weapon in him – to move forward and really do something special. So number one, in reality, James Conner he has a strong case to be here because of the additional touchdown. But I'm giving it to Isaiah Crowell as being the first. He's the only player only on my list to have one touchdown, but 15 carries, 219 yards. First running back of the season to break 200 yards on the ground solely. Yep. Um, Isaiah Crow had a, had a massive game. Not thinking from Connor, but looking at 200-plus yards purely on the ground, Crowell was phenomenal this week. This was um, a true, true breakout game for him. Uh, the Lions game in, in the week one of the season, he had 10 carries for 102 yards. He had two touchdowns. And then he didn't do really much of anything against the Dolphins. He only had 35 yards and then 34 yards against the Browns. Granted, he hit the end zone twice, but he, he only had 34 yards in that game. Um, he had four carries against the Jags, didn't gain any yards. And then he finally blew up 15 attempts, 219 yards. He had a touchdown. He did also have a reception in the game. Um, Isaiah Crowell, he's the kind of guy that, that the Browns could have built their team around, I believe. Um, I think he's that good of a runner. The Browns should have signed him for, for bigger money um, and, and just made the move. Uh, he's only 25 years old, a lot of tread on the tires. And in this game, he, he did this against the Broncos, just like Robbie Anderson did. Um, 15 carries, 219 yards against a, a very talented and very vaunted uh, uh, Broncos defense. I think there's something to be said there about just how good this guy can be and, and how good he is when he has proper blocking. Um, he's a talented guy. He's a speedster. He, de he deserves to get uh, his, his shot um, in the uh, NFL as, as a long-term viable number one running back. And, and I think he proved that this week. Now, Tyler, are you excited? Are you still up? I, I love this part. You love this part? Yeah. Which part? The part where we talk about the shitty players. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, the. Uh, this is one of my favorite segments. It, it's a little depressing though. It's a it's a sad day. Um, Tyler, let's. Like, I also want to play. Um, you watch The Walking Dead, don't you? Yeah. So after the show, whenever they have like a major death, they uh, do that by uh, the Talking Dead. Mm -hmm. They do that in memoriam. Oh, all the dead, like, uh, that, that, that savage who plays in the background. Like, you almost need that for right now because some of these performances are just uh, uh, forgettable. I, I mean, let, let me 
me see if I can. Oh, see, look at that. Jordan's gonna yell. Um, Jordan, please don't yell at me. So, um, so now, first of all, I want to go into, uh, the, well, we're going to go into this. Uh, first of all, let's uh, let everybody hear our segment. Come on now. And uh, this segment is... Raytown's Forgotten Fun! Aren't you excited, Tyler? Oh, I'm thrilled. Yeah. So, well, this is actually the Forgetful Five. Um, so I got some honorable mentions, Tyler. Oh boy! Honorable mentions. We we had some bad performances this week. Um, first honorable mention goes to the Atlanta Falcons defense as a whole. Um, Forty-one points given up, just a, a a spanking, an absolute spanking at the hands of uh, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, just just painful. Um, and and oh, this was brutal. It, it, I, I I almost want to go. I, I I almost want to flip flop that and say uh, that I put my uh, the more fault on the Atlanta's offense because Steelers do not have a great defense yet. This is supposed to be one of the most high high octane potent offenses in the league, and they put up seventeen points. They put up seventeen points. Um, but my my big thing, Matt Ryan, two eighty five. He did have a touchdown, ninety nine percent quarterback rating, 68 percent completion percentage. I mean, he had himself a pretty good game. Um, I, I don't know that I can put it completely on the offense because Matt Ryan did have himself a decent game. But we, you know, that defense gave up so many points all game long. There was no answers. Um, and and to be honest with you, I I'm just kind of saddened by by how the uh, uh, how the uh, Falcons played. It, it was just a, a disgusting display um, all around. All around. So the Atlanta Falcons uh, defense uh, winds up as the the uh, honorable mention. Next up, honorable mention, Blake Bortles. Um, Ooh, he, had, he had himself a rough... Uh, rough outing. On one, on one sense. He put up a lot of yards, but uh, his mistakes cost them the game. Yeah, now what I'll say about, about Bortles is he had 61 attempts this game. So, I mean, I, I expect the guy to, to throw some picks, you know, after 61 attempts in a single game. That's, that's insanity. Um, you, could, you could tell it was they, they clearly didn't have faith in T.J. Yeldon to be the guy in the backfield with Fournette out. Um, just a, a tough time. Uh, he, did, he did have a, a monster yardage game through the air. Um, he did, you know, have a decent completion percentage. So I, I can't sit there and say that that uh, Bortles. I mean, and granted, he had a good completion percentage to the other team as well. But um, Bortles had himself just in uh, a, a tough game. Um, so, but he wasn't because of the of the good yardage. I, I couldn't put him in the uh, forgotten five. Now, last but not least, honorable mention goes to uh, your boy Michael Crabtree. Oh, he should be number one. I know you're number one. You're so biased. Well. So, <laughs> In the negative, in this sense, you're, right? you're so angry. Um, Michael Crabtree to me solely cost the Ravens this game. He had two drops in the end zone with an with an additional drop in the game as well. 
was a bad game, yep. bad performance by McCrabtree. Mm-hmm. Bad, bad performance. He did have 66 yards in the game. Uh, he had six receptions on the day. Um, and and it was it was a bad game. He dropped those those uh, passes in the end zone. He's at, uh, reportedly going to practice a lot more to work on the drop situation, um, which is surprising. We we you know back when he was in the with the Niners, you, we didn't have that issue out of Crabtree or with when he was at Oakland. You're right. You know, so this is this is a new thing. I don't know if it's a confidence issue or what. Um, but going into our forgetful five, um, these guys were even worse. And uh, you're going to love this one. Number five goes to Josh Rosen of the Arizona Cardinals. He won, though. He won, but look at this. 10 for 25. He had a touchdown and 170 yards. What's that, 40% completion rating? Yeah, about that. Yeah, just just ugly. Um, So... uh, I, I just I, I the the struggles in um the struggles in in Arizona are just horrible 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 and uh, I I I'm I'm sad I'm saddened by it because I actually like the Arizona that's, Cardinals. That's, that's a rough outing. Yeah, you complete. It's, I'm almost at a loss for words over it because Josh Rosen was the guy we predicted to to come out of the the draft so hot. It's true. You know, we we expected them to to uh, uh, come out and, and tear it up, and it did not happen. So I'm I I'm I'm saddened by this whole thing. Um, next up, number four. This is the first time, for the first time ever, a head coach has made the forgetful five. Oh boy, Jason Garrett makes the forgetful five. Um, so on a he basically costed his team the game on a on a fourth and one from the Houston Texans forty two yard line. He he's driving into enemy enemy territory in overtime. He opts to punt the ball. Um, they don't get the ball back. Houston drives downfield, kicks the field goal. Um, you know, and and I think the thing that bothers me so much about this is is this same week you you got to watch the Rams sit there on a fourth and one from their own territory um, in in a thirty three to thirty one game. Uh, against the the Seahawks, go for it and get the first down and and put that game away. Ravens also went for on a fourth and one with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean this these are so. So why are you not feeding the ball to Elliott? You yeah, you've got the most prolific runner arguably in the game right now, and you're not handing the ball off to him. You're you're not giving him the opportunity. Does the scream uh, Seahawks? Uh, Patriots Super Bowl. It's kind of screaming that, except it's a see a regular season game. I expected more out of out of uh, the, the Cowboys, uh, and, and uh, you know, I think at this point now, I mean, Jason Garrett has never been a great coach for the Cowboys. He's a yes man for Jerry Jones. Yeah, that's all he's been. So I mean, now Jerry Jones is is starting to say, "Hey, I hated that decision," and and a lot of people are calling for his head. I understand it. I get it. I, I mean, I didn't like Jason Garrett when he got brought in from the get. I didn't think he was qualified to be a head coach in this league. And uh, he's proven that time and time again. He's only he's made the playoff, what, once in his career, in his tenure? Maybe twice? Twice. Twice. I mean, you know, he's, he's made the playoffs twice. I mean, it was, I think he has one playoff win in the whole thing. Uh, to me, I, I see, I hear, you know, I see Jason Garrett, and I just don't think he's a, a head coach in this league. I don't think he's good enough. 
And, um, you know, I think it showed his decision-making was very poor. If Jerry Jones keeps him around after this year, unless he gets it together, I could see him walking out the door at the end of this year. But not going for that fourth and one, that's a big deal. Um, and and uh, it wound up ultimately costing the game against the Texans. So boo to you, uh, uh, Jason Garrett. Now, um, number three, Marcus Mariota. He had a rough outing. 14 for 26, 129 and a pick. Um, now, understanding, he would be higher on the list, but he took on a very, very talented um, Buffalo Bills defense, number three in the league. So I can't hammer him too hard. Um, but uh, just a bad day for, for Mariota, not getting the job done. He winds up losing the game. Um you expect a little more out of the Tennessee Titans in this yeah, situation. Absolutely, especially a team that had a, such a hot start. Yeah, they, they came out hot um, in spite of injuries. Uh, Mariota's been playing hurt. We understand he's been playing hurt. Same time, you know, Mariota is a very, very talented quarterback. We know that. I don't think people give that guy enough credit. He's had a lack of weapons throughout his career. And, um, you know, I, I want to see Mariota come out and, and really start firing on all cylinders. And, um you know this this game he was just rough, just rough. He was he was hurried, he was banged up. I feel bad for uh, 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 Mariota and, and how he performed in this one, but it's it's on him. But he did not perform as bad as his counterpart. Um, Josh Allen makes number two. Ooh. Ten for nineteen doesn't break a hundred yards. Eighty two yards, one interception. He's starting to remind me of Tim Tebow. Would he have been number one if they would have lost? I, I don't know. Um, it, it's kind of a tough one. Um, kind oh, of a I tough know, one. I know, I know number one. Never yeah, mind. that's that, that. That'd be very, very tough to change. Um, but he, eighty-nine yards. You gotta do better than that. Come being, on now, being the uh, front and center of that offense. Eighty yards is is not a a number one draft pick performance. Um, the Bills have since signed Derek Anderson to uh, potentially come in because Josh Allen is just performing so badly. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was. I mean, let's face the facts. He did lead the the Cleveland Browns to a playoff appearance. So, I mean, we we got to know that. But um, just an ugly, ugly day for him. Um, I feel horrible for, for uh, the Buffalo Bills for having drafted him at this point. Um, we knew, however, we, we had called this uh, before the season even started that Josh Allen was inaccurate. Uh, he didn't have the accuracy to be an NFL caliber quarterback, um, much like Lamar, um, and it's showing. Um, I, I believe that that uh, Josh Allen may not even last the rest of the season as the starter of this team. I think you're going to see him benched PDQ. So um, last but not least, number one, and I actually liked this one. I actually liked having to put him at number one. Um, and, I, and I actually liked him as a player. You know, he's, he he. I, the Packers have chosen to stick with Mason Crosby, but he's my number one. Uh, one for five, one miss extra point, um, one for five fun field goals. I mean, just a, a horrible, horrible outing. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I, I felt like I was watching the Vikings game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I felt like it was Dan Carlson in a Mason Crosby uniform. Uh, or uh, Blair Walsh. Or Blair Walsh, or, uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? He just cut. Um, Dan Carlson. Well, I was, oh, I was thinking. Um, I was thinking the way back kicker before Walsh. Um, was his name? You know, the one who had the original wide left. Oh, see, the original wide left. You know, he wasn't cut though. That was Gary Anderson. He wasn't cut. He wound up retiring. 
But, you know, the... Um, Out of embarrassment. No, no, no. He wound up <laughs> retiring, you know, the, after the next year. Um, but, you know, uh, the I, I got to tell you, I was surprised that it was coming. This was all coming from Mason Crosby. You know, everybody has a bad day, and I've, we've seen it. I've, I know we've seen Mason Crosby have bad days in his career. This was probably the worst day he's ever had as a, a kicker in the NFL. This hasn't been the worst day any kicker's ever had. Yeah, and it was it was the first. Um, what wasn't he the second? I think he was the second kicker to miss four field goals in a single game, which is uh, pretty painful. Pretty painful performance. Um, I, I am surprised it, it came from uh, Mason Crosby. The reason, you know, if the if the kicks were longer, if they were like 50 yards or whatever the case may be, great. And one of them was. One of them was 56. But, uh, you know, this one, we're talking a 41, a 42, and 38 chip shots by today's standards because, I mean, we got to face facts. We're, we're talking power kickers and um, in this league. I mean, that's that's what everybody goes goes after. But, uh, yeah, he, he – Mason Crosby, basically, you can chalk up this entire loss to him at this point. Oh, absolutely. This, it, I'm sure this one's um, hit, hitting hard on, on his heart here. and It, it was his fault, and, and this is what it was. Yeah, and uh, kudos, kudos to Aaron Rodgers. i got to give the guy big ups for, for, you know, knowing the game was, was out of hand, knowing the game was done, and late in the fourth quarter having McCarthy send um, – Crosby out on the field to uh, kick that that last field goal, um, and and really just put it away, uh, you know, just to say, hey, all right, here's here's where we get our confidence. You get your confidence back, and he built up his kicker. It showed what a, a team leader Aaron Rodgers was. Um, kudos to him. But uh, Mason Crosby tops out this list, costing his team the game, missing all those field goals. Just a bad day. Just a bad day. Yeah, that was rough. I, I quickly turned around because Mason Crosby had a very good career. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and, and the Packers have chosen to stick with him. They're going to, and hopefully this week, for his sake anyway, that he, he, he turns it up and starts doing what, what he can do. Um, now, around the league, Tyler, we've got some stuff going on, weird stuff going on. Um, here's a name we haven't heard in a hot Are minute. We breaking? We're not breaking for a minute. Come on now. Ron Lee's going to take an hour. Always does. Oh, geez, Tyler. You want you you just have to pee, don't you? I, I do got to pee. Ah, I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. All right, fine. Just for Tyler's sake, just for his his bladder, we'll take a quick break. Um, after a, word, a little song and a word from our sponsors, um, we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. Chips in the making, bound for a distant for the taking man gone forevermore boarding and setting sail yet victory won't prevail oh freeze the arrow in the air make your mark and leave it hanging Turn around, take the leap to land on higher
Man laying down that sword, each of their own accord. Freeze the arrow in the air, make your mark and leave it hanging there. Be the first to turn around, take the leap to land on higher ground. Raise the banner to the sky. Face the fear and hold your head up high. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Tob, the outside blitz, baby. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we we're back, Tyler. Your bladder better? You're a little emptied a out now. Tyler has a a thimble bladder around here, and um, it's proportional. He's everything small. He's he's like a small dog. You know, you just got to let him outside every you know quite often and let him do his thing. Um, so Tyler, news around the league, baby. We got some we got some big stuff. Going on here, um, you know, not a lot, but but we do have some some you know good good news stories here going on here. Um, injuries, injuries piling up around this season. Week five. Jay Ajayi's out for the year. Yeah, Jay Ajayi, of all, of all players, you know, and actually he was he was he he was actually doing all right against the Vikings. He wasn't having a monster game or anything, but but he was a, a factor, a big factor, and and him and Wendell Smallwood were were tearing up the Vikings. I'm actually surprised to hear. Her. About the uh, Ajayi being out for the season. Um, now, do you feel at the you know? And I I like Wendell Smallwood. I, I like that guy a lot. Don't you? I mean, hell of a running back. I I, do. I, I like him. I, I think he's more of a change of pace guy. I, I don't know if he can really handle the uh, heavy workload. Yep. And and uh, now it leaves you with with Corey Clement. It leaves you with Wendell Smallwood. Do you do you believe in Wendell Smallwood, do you believe in Corey Clement at this point? Not really, and I don't think they're going to it. I don't think they're going to solely trust on one guy. I think it's going to be a team effort going forward. See, I disagree with you. I I, I like Corey Clement, and I think Corey Clement is a speedster. I think he hasn't gotten enough of, of uh, um, he hasn't gotten enough love uh, from the Eagles at this point. He was a monster last year, and I, I won't even say a monster. He was a playmaker last year for the Eagles. Um, he was more of a change of pace guy, but he showed that he can he can hit it out of the backfield. He did it in 2017. Uh, he had 321 yards, uh, four touchdowns, um, and he, that was him playing behind Ajayi uh, on 74 attempts. He had a 4.3 average, which is actually a, a pretty good average for for a guy who uh, isn't seeing a lot of playing time. He had four touchdowns. He had 10 receptions for 123, two touchdowns. He was still playing good ball. Um, I like Corey Clement, and I believe that Corey Clement can be a starting guy. I don't think, I, and I agree with you that Wendell Smallwood is more of a change of pace guy. But I think Corey Clement takes this starting position and runs with it as their their primary out of the backfield guy. Now, how badly does this affect in a Philadelphia Eagles team who, right now, weirdly enough, is struggling? I, I think this hurts. I mean, the team's been struggling. This just makes them struggle more. I think they're going to. I mean, they're in the right division. Yeah, the yeah, oh my gosh. It's wide open. I mean, even the Giants still have a chance at it, for God's sake. But uh, um, 
I think this can continue. I think this is just gonna be another nail in in her in uh, continuing the uh, woes of the Philadelphia Eagles this season. Yeah, the the Eagles have not looked like the the Eagles that we saw last year. A lot of people were were pegging them as a, a playoff team before the season started. We were pegging them as, as the guys taking this division, and before the season started, we were we were talking about them being in the playoff picture and possibly Super Bowl picture. Um, right now, not so much. I mean. I'm kind of surprised to see the Philadelphia Eagles struggling the way they are, <coughs> and and I believe that the Eagles, um, that their struggles are going to continue. This one hurts. This one hurts big time. Jay Ajayi was their number one. They lost like Garrett Blunt in the offseason to the Lions. Um, just a painful one. And uh, speaking of uh, of uh, injured running backs, before we, before we leave. Uh... Eagles here though. Mm-hmm. I, I want I want to point out something. What's that? On this division. Yeah. And like, like we said, we thought the like, the Eagles were gonna walk with this division. Um. Hasn't happened two years in a row. It hasn't happened. A team in this division only. A, a team has not won this division two years in a row since the '07 and '08 Giants. Yeah. We're talking um ten years. Yep. Since a team has won the division two years back to back. Yep, doesn't happen very often in that division. So I mean, it there's would... no stability in this division, and 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 since then, every team in the division, every all four of them have have won the have won the, the division. Now, would it surprise you if um, the Eagles came back from this? Do you do you think that that they have the ability? And and with the Eagles being uh, two and three now, I mean. Is it? Are we starting to question the ability of, say, Carson Wentz at this point? I think I, I'm not questioning the ability of Carson Wentz. I believe that Carson Wentz stru- um, suffered a very brutal injury that takes time to come back from, and that's and that's what we're looking at. Is we're we're looking at him uh, getting off that rust, and he's playing nervous, and he's I mean, that injury is an injury that is can be very detrimental to uh, longevity. Now, Carson Wentz, you know, to, to be fair, Carson Wentz hasn't been playing horrible ball. Um, only one interception this season. Um, coming coming back, he had 115.3 uh, passer rating uh, this past game against the Vikings, so he played very well. Um, but, but you know, in order to buy uh, – when, when you put together a great football team, you're looking for what? Wins. Yep, and that's what you're looking for. And I, I think this Jay Ajayi thing is is a um, is a, a painful hit. Um, he he went and finished eleven and two last year. Now he's one and two this year. Um, it all rests on Carson Wentz. So at this point, does Carson? Now, first of all, now we got we got other questions as far as running backs go, um, and we we'll talk about that in a second here. But it's all on Carson Wentz now. Now. Um, and and it's all on that that Carson Wentz offensive line too that Eagles offensive line that's got to defend him and and frankly Carson Wentz has been getting blasted. Um, d- does Corey Clement have enough to set up the run? We're we're waiting on on Darren Sproles here. Um, he's been ruled out for for tonight's game, tonight's Thursday night football game. Uh, I really is Darren Sproles the guy. Does he become the guy coming out of the backfield? Well, he's another change of pace guy. He's not. He's not someone you're, you're, you're going to give the ball to twenty times a game. Right, and and they say Sproles is, is close to returning. Um, this is just going to be a painful injury. There's only one other guy that I could see the Eagles making a move on, which brings me to my next topic. Um, let's talk Le'Veon Bell. Let's talk Le'Veon. I love how we're still talking about Le'Veon. He hasn't seen a snap this year. He hasn't <laughs> seen a snap, but but now 
the, the pieces are falling into place for Le'Veon Bell to be traded um, to the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Do they have the cap space to give him a contract? And, and that's going to be the question of the day. I, I mean, Le'Veon, um, he, he's a hell of a player. He deserves, he deserves the big contract. I think he's, he's worked for it. Um, and, and I think, you know, rumor has it that Le'Veon turned down a $70 million contract from the, from the Steelers. That's the, the report here. So now he, he's got one year. It's $14 million left on his deal. Well, um, he, he doesn't have a deal. He's waiting. To, he has to sign a uh, franchise tag, which puts him not because that. Right. He has, to, he has to sign. He has to sign the, the, the franchise tender. But his base salary, if, if he does get picked up by somebody, um, $14.544 million franchise tag offered by, uh, by Pittsburgh. Somebody's going to have to fulfill that if he does get picked up and then re-signed and whatever the case may be. Um, so, I, I mean, it's interesting. It's an interesting little animal. Do If you're the Philadelphia Eagles at this point, do you make the move on Le'Veon Bell? I think it's not a, it's not a bad way to go as long as you can afford the long-term contract. Um, and, and that's kind of going to be the, the issue there, I think. Um, you know, they, they are they going to want to choke up that type of money? Uh, cap space for the Eagles this year, $10 million left. So they're, they're close. They, they, they would have to free something up. They would have to let somebody uh, walk or, or trade somebody or whatever the case. Um, there are guys out there that they can dump, um, you know, and, and save some dough here. Um, and, you know, a lot of players on their team, I'm seeing, you know, Four million, four million, three million, four million, one million, three million. The the highest played paid player on that team, Fletcher Cox, eight million dollars a year. So I, I think it shows how well they're managing their team. The fact that they have ten million dollars in cap space floating around, um, they would they would have to renegotiate his deal, Le'Veon's deal. Um, and and we also have to remember Nick Foles is still making two million dollars. So I mean they're they're going to have to free up some cap space, dump some guys, make some moves. But at the end of the day, I, I think they'll be able to give uh, Le'Veon Bell what, what he wants if they, they make the proper moves. So the Eagles could be looking at him. Also, another guy that they could be looking at, and we were going to be talking about him shortly, but I figure it's a good spot now, LaShawn McCoy, supposedly on the trade block. Well, you got a team that's struggling and is definitely in rebuild mode. Of, it, it, it serves in the Bills' best interest to uh, trade away the, the veteran and and get some pieces out of him. Now, McCoy signed a five-year deal, um, you know, some time ago where he's in, in the fourth year of his five-year deal, uh, makes $6 million a year. Now, that could be a potential landing spot for him, which ironically would wind up with the Eagles. Um, he, he had that, uh, that issue with, uh, I guess it was, it was an issue with racism over uh, with the yeah, Eagles, with Chip. with Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly is long gone. He's got a, a fresh... Uh, face over there as far as a head coach goes. Um, it would only cost them $8.9 million. He fits within their cap space. Um, he's a great change of pace guy. He's great running out of the backfield. He's 30 years old, so he's get, starting to hit that back end of his career, but technically he's still in his prime, that 27 to 32 range. I, I mean, if if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, are you making a move on LaShawn McCoy I at this point? I think McCoy's a better call than Bell. He could he, very well be. the uh, dollars. Given the dollars, it, it could make a lot of sense for them. So, so Le'Veon is an option. 
So so we we've got Le'Veon Bell out there, and and there's also a couple other options out there um, when we're when we're talking free agent running backs. We're we're talking Tevin Coleman is out there um, for the Atlanta Falcons. We were talking about Tevin, and, and um, earlier you and I were, um, and about how good this guy is. Tevin Coleman has proven that he can be a number one back in this league. He's, he proved it uh, when, when uh, Freeman went down some time ago. He's been sitting in, in Freeman's shadow. Um, I believe in Tevin Coleman. I like Tevin Coleman. I think he's a hell of a running back. And, and man, oh, man, I, I think this guy showed for, I mean, he had 156 attempts, 628 yards, and three touchdowns in 2017. Um, he had 118 attempts, 520 yards. And I think that's a big number for 118 and attempts. All, all I'm going to say here is we were just talking about Atlanta Falcons defense. Mm-hmm, the Atlanta uh, Falcons. Jimmy Smith for Tevin Coleman? Yep, Tevin Thank Coleman. You, please. And that's another spot he could land. And any of these guys, they could, they, any of these running backs, they could be lining lining up in, in Baltimore. They could ending, wind up ending uh, – wind up in in uh, 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 Philadelphia I mean they could they could go in any of these, there's a number of places that need running backs and then there's a number of places that have a bunch of running backs at their disposal that they can move around um, I'm gonna kind of hijack the segment here a little bit because we're talking about trades I was gonna I, I was gonna save them for later we'll, we'll talk about them now yeah let's go I for got, it I got two articles here in front of me uh-huh. We'll start with one on ESPN. It's uh, well, we'll start with one on NFL. This is a top ten trade candidate. We've kind of already talked. We talked about Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. We talked about McCoy. We've got um, Deion Buchanan. Um, Arizona Cardinals. They're in a rebuild mode. That's that's another guy who could who could theoretically really be traded. Yep, and and we got to understand like the, these trades could be happening very quickly. I mean, we're we're in the trade deadline. You know, right? We're we're at the week before the trade deadline. Week six rolls around, and that's it. So, so we got to make sure that that uh, we're keeping a close eye on that. The trade deadline is when things get a little wonky and a little crazy. Sometimes uh, we could see some big trades. I fully, honestly, I'm I'm honest to God, hope, well, keeping my fingers crossed that Le'Veon Bell goes before the trade deadline, and and I believe that he very well could. This could wind up being something really fun. Um, Deion Buchanan, excellent line. He plays linebacker. He plays safety. Great in the backfield. Um, Team leader, I like Deion Buchanan. Um, places he could land, I'm calling Detroit, right off the top. Um, they need linebackers. Yeah, I, I see. I could see Deion Buchanan winding up with the Detroit Lions. And, uh, and other guys, you got Shane Shane Ray's a guy who could be traded as well. Yep, Denver. 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 Um, they they could use. Um, some cap space over there. Uh, Shane Ray has a has a decent sized contract. Um, I mean, Shane Ray, I think he fits more with what the Lions would be going for. Um, the uh, the Broncos' salary cap, as it stands right now, they're at five million dollars, so they could use some cap space moving forward. Um, in twenty nineteen, they'll have thirty three. Uh, dumping Shane Ray would actually make a good amount of uh, uh, sense for them. Um, he makes a lot of money. The guy is oft hurt. Uh, I mean, let's let's face the facts. So every time we hear about Shane Ray, he's got a hand injury or something like that. The guy's set to make uh, 1.2 this year. Really, he's set to make 2.9 uh, with his uh, bonus. Uh, ultimately, he could be a good fit for the Lions, and and it really it's it's not a huge um, loss for the Broncos for a guy who winds up getting hurt quite often. Um, we always hear about his hand injury and his arm injury and his knee injury. 
I want to see if Shane Ray can stay healthy. They they need to trade him away and get something for him while he's uh while he's worth something. And speaking of Broncos, you're also talking to Marius Thomas. Yeah, and, and and Sanders at that too. I mean, Denver's definitely in a rebuild mode, and, and their two top receivers are not getting any younger. I could see them trading one or both of them away to uh, get some rebuilding pieces out of it. See, I don't know if they're going to trade Emmanuel Sanders because he has been um, such a hot commodity for for Case Keenum uh, recently. Case Keenum's been it, it really Sanders has been his his favorite weapon this year. Um, Demarius Thomas is, he has only broken a hundred yards once this season. And that was this last week against a very rough Jets defense. Um, five receptions, 105 yards. He only has two touchdowns on the year. This is not the typical stat line that we see from a guy like Demarius Thomas. And, and he broke. I used to consider arguably the best receiver in the league is yeah. slowing down. But, well, and I don't even know if he's slowing down as much as he doesn't have somebody throwing in the football. I mean, let's look at this. 2012, he had 1,434 yards. 2013, 1,430 yards. 2014, 1,600 yards. 2015, 1,300 yards. 20, 2016, 1,083 yards. And then you're looking at 2017, 949, when they had Trevor Simeon throwing in the quarterback or throwing in the ball. And then 2018, 25 receptions for 273 so far um, with Case Keenum throwing in the football. I mean, they, they, he had a, a, at least a, a quarterback system there for a while, it seemed like. Um, he, he had the play of Peyton Manning under his belt, right? I mean, I don't want to sit here and tell you that Brock Osweiler is, a, is some sort of great quarterback. But when Brock Osweiler did come in during Peyton Manning's injury, Brock Osweiler still played well under that Denver Broncos system. But we know receivers who have, who have uh, had uh, worse quarterbacks continue to play great on like, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, well, I, 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 I think this kind of proves that Demarius Thomas is uh, kind of a product of a very good quarterback. And when he gets a shitty quarterback, uh, his stats go down. Well, and, and the, the question becomes how much of this falls on him and how much of this falls on, on the play of, say, a Case Keenum or, or on the play of a, a uh, uh, you know, Trevor Simeon. When I see a guy like um, Emmanuel Sanders still playing well, like, I, I, think, uh, I think Sanders is doing a better job at getting open and making plays. I believe that Sanders is always a threat no matter where he goes. Let, let's see. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders right now, he's only broken 100 yards one time this season. Um, he's, he's got 72 yards, 45 yards, 38 yards, 96 yards. Um, Sanders, he's played well. I mean, they're, they're both kind of on the same plateau. I, I realize he's got more receptions than Demarius Thomas at this point. He, he has um, 386 yards this year, so he's got more, more receptions, more yards. Um, do I believe that, I mean, in Case Keenum, I'll say this, Case Keenum is a kind of guy that finds some weird favorite targets every now and then. Um, if you would have told me that that his uh, favorite target would wind up being Adam Thielen, for example, I would have told you you're nuts. I would have said it was Diggs, but but Adam Thielen actually turned out to be his favorite target. And, and that's where Adam Thielen really developed um, into a great receiver learning in that Pat Shermer system. I believe that that a lot of this falls on the quarterback play. I feel that that you see a lot of guys decline because of quarterback play. We got to see it out of Brandon Marshall when when Jay Cutler declined. You got to see it uh, out of several receivers when when quarterback play. I mean, even Randy Moss, for example, we got to see it out of him. 
Um, so, I mean, I, I, the quarterback is the heart and soul of that offense. And if the quarterback's not performing well, these receivers aren't going to perform well. Is Demarius Thomas going to be traded? Could very well be. I mean, uh, he's not getting any younger. You're right, 31 years old. Um, he, I'm, I'm going to see what he's he's set to make this year. Um, so Demarius Thomas, he, he's got – after this year, he'll be in a contract year. He has a potential out after this year if he doesn't perform. Um, and, and four years, $56 million, he gets the, the $3.5 million in dead cap. He'll, so with all of his salary, he I think he's got a $14 million payout that he gets. So, I mean, do the Denver Broncos balk on the Marius Thomas? Or, do, or is it they, they, do they realize that this is the fault of Case Keenum? I don't know. But Demarius Thomas could very well be out the door at the end of this year. Um, just, uh, I mean, but they're going to try and get something for him for sure. And uh, I believe that Demarius Thomas will be explosive wherever he goes as long as there is a decent quarterback over there, and they have some decent, you know, pieces. But Broncos, you're right, have been in a rebuilding mode for quite some time. You kind of moved down the list here. Uh, Devontae Parker is someone that could very well be traded as the Dolphins are also kind of uh, in a weird state of what's going on. Young, talented, speedy. Um, Devontae Parker, they, they should I, – I, see, I don't know that Devontae Parker is going to go out the door. Um is he great? Uh, I don't know. We we haven't seen a big enough sample size from Devontae Parker to really talk about whether or not he's great. Um, he is basically in in a contract year almost. They'll, they're probably the Dolphins knowing them. They're going to go ahead and exercise his franchise tag at the end of this year, which or his uh, fifth year option rather, which would make him a nine million dollar player. Um, he's twenty five years old right now. He'll be twenty six next season. He's worth somebody looking at, for sure. I mean, if they're if they're a team in need of a receiver, Parker could be the guy. Miami, I mean, they need to start moving forward from Orion Tannehill. They got to understand that he's just not going to cut it as a, a pro quarterback. And here's where I'm at. Um, Devonta Parker is a great receiver, and honestly, for what's happened last two seasons, I don't trust the Miami Dolphins front office. You trade away a giant. You trade away. Uh, Jarvis Landry. I don't think the Dolphins front office knows what the hell's going on. No, I, I don't think they do. Um, and Devontae Parker, he he's put up decent numbers for a number two guy, um, 744 yards, 670 yards. He's kind of in what I like to call the Anquan Bolden area, where Anquan Bolden was in in Arizona for a long time, and and he was he was sitting there as as a number two guy behind Larry Fitzgerald. He got signed by the Baltimore Ravens to be the number one guy over there. They gave him a shot, and and it was a smart. It turned out to be a very very smart move. They rolled with it. He played well. I believe Don, Devontae Parker is in that very similar situation, and I think that if anybody's looking for a deep threat, a young deep threat, and he's around one guy, he's a, he was the 14th pick in 2015. He's the kind of guy that you're gonna want to start, you know, bringing out there and making him a playmaker. Imagine how well a guy like and I, I understand that they don't need him, but imagine how well a guy like Devontae Parker would do with a guy like Drew Brees. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah, I mean, imagine that putting him out there with Drew Brees. That'd be that'd be a great time. Or, or if you put him out there with uh, maybe even like a Kirk Cousins would be great. They don't need him, but but you know, you get a, a good quarterback that can deliver the football. Devontae Parker winds up being a beast for this team and starts being a, a, a an a valuable asset. So 
Devontae Parker is going to go somewhere. Devontae Parker is going to wind up being a number one receiver somewhere if somebody gives him a chance. So I, I, I believe that Parker, if they're, if they're going to make the move on Parker, they should make it now, and they should start rebuilding this team. And every time somebody hears the words rebuild, it's like mass anarchy. I get it. But nobody likes to hear that word. It's like a dirty word around here. But let's face the facts. Miami's not getting any better. Ryan Tannehill is not the answer to your franchise. Start trading away pieces. Start going younger. Start drafting guys that, that are going to build your franchise and make it the next big thing. Yeah, you have Carl Joseph. Uh, I mean, Oakland. I mean, if you want to keep Dumpster diving, that already not great defense. That's, it's not a bad guy to get rid of him. And the season seems to be going in a very bad direction, so I can see him going going out too. Um, yeah, he. Um, the the Raiders. They, their defense is just horrible. Ever since uh, Mac walked out the door, you could tell he was the the heart and soul of that. Um, Joseph's a former first rounder. Um, he is only in the third year of his contract, so I mean, they they would have him for that extra year. Um, and then they would have to extend him, whoever wound up picking him up. But he is a guy that could be sent out there. He's not very expensive right now, um, 1.5 and uh, $2 million in the next year, um, and then whoever can pick up their fifth-year option. But it looks like Oakland isn't going to pick up his fifth-year option um, for his age 26 year because I, I think it's because of a, a cap issue there. But realistically, um, I, I, I kind of I think it's smart to get him. Um, I, I think this would be a, a, an incredibly smart move. Um, makes sense. Teams, uh, he's a good strong safety. There's a lot of teams out there that need a strong safety. Uh, teams like Atlanta could use some safety help, especially in that secondary. Carl Joseph could be a, a great asset to them. Um, and and if they get and they get a nice young guy, they get a young guy. He's 25 years old. You you could sign him for six, seven, eight years and and have him long term. Um, right down the stretch. This is this is actually a smart trade for anybody who's looking for a young, talented safety and, and needs help in their secondary to bolster oh, I agree 100%. Yes. Um, we've talked about Tevin Coleman a bit already. And so going on, we have uh, two running backs in Amir Abdullah and Jordan Howard that, that could be traded. I, I don't really think they're going to ship Jordan Howard anywhere, despite the fact that um, in his absence, not, not, not in his absence, but um, Tarek Cohen's proven that he can be a liable back in the, in the uh, Bears system despite not having Howard around. So I, I think that from that sense, you, I could see them trading either Howard or Cohen. Um, I like uh, Tarek Cohen. I, I think Cohen is, is – is, has he shown to be an explosive, out-of-the-backfield kind of running back? Uh, it's questionable. I mean, they, they haven't been giving him a lot of carries. Um, they only gave him 13 against the Buccaneers in Week 4. Um, and he got 53 yards out of it, so which wasn't bad. He had five carries for 53 against Arizona, which was really shoddy. We got to get a bigger sample size out of Cohen before before you start just trading him off, uh, trading off Jordan Howard. Uh, Jordan Howard has proven to be the number one back over there, I think, out of the backfield. But Cohen could take this job. Uh, problem comes in where we're going into trade deadline time, and uh, the Sunday, and after that, it's kaput that's it that's the only shot so do the bears take the shot on cohen and do they they try and get something for jordan howard i think the bears fans would riot i think cohen has been more of a a uh, change of pace back he's a fourth round guy he's not as big as jordan howard he's not much of, as much of a bruiser and a downhill runner but i i mean it, what would it hurt to take the the shot on him i mean if you traded away jordan howard right and you you get the first rounder 
Why not? I mean, you know Jordan Howard's going to get you a first rounder somewhere. The Eagles could actually um, make the move on Jordan Howard, and and you know that could wind up being a, a smart thing for them. He runs like a Jay Ajayi, so I could see him winding up in Philadelphia. Um, it, it just the question of whether or not the Bears want to take the move on Cohen. And how about Abdullah? We, I mean, we talked about him during during the offseason and possibly get traded. In, in Amir Abdullah is one of these guys who uh, I don't I don't know how I feel about Amir Abdullah. I think the guy's got a lot of fumble problems. He's faster than fast, and he, he's great at, at breaking tackles. The guy's got moves. He's very agile. He knows what he's doing. Um, but at the same time, is Amir Abdullah a number one guy? And I don't think he had really had a shot in Detroit at all. Um, Detroit has had a very tough time running the football, and and I don't think Amir Abdullah is a change of pace kind of guy. He's a, a rushing out of the backfield kind of guy. So, I, I mean, to me, I believe that Amir Abdullah, if if he's picked up anywhere, it would wind up being, you know, I mean, Philadelphia could use him, but not really. They have two change of pace backs over there. Two guys that can be change of pace backs. And I'm going to correct you. I think you're just you're a little overzealous on this. But uh, the trade deadline is not for two weeks. Week six. Week eight. Is it week uh, eight? October, October 30th is, is, is the deadline. Mm. Go, go ahead and Google it. Oh, I'm going to. Um, while, while you're doing that and prove yourself wrong, I'm going to talk about <laughs> the other article. Well, uh, it's a lot of guys we talked about, but uh, kind of landing places for a lot of these guys that, from, from the experts around the league. Uh, and heard Devontae Parker. Um, they're talking about Devontae Parker possibly being traded to Dallas. The new number one there. I, I can see that. Yep. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, and LaShawn McCoy to, to the Eagles. We, we talked about that one, that, that very specific idea. Oh, you're not wrong. Okay. Uh, I know. That's that's a surprise. No, it's always week eight, but go on. Usually it's week six. It's always week eight. I'm sure. Yep. Sure. Um, Le'Veon Bell, and the, 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 uh, they're, they're saying that a good landing spot for him would be the uh, Washington Redskins, uh, a spot I can't see as well. Um, whether you like or dislike AP, he's not young. So uh, given that that team a uh, future back, uh, Le'Veon Bell would be the way to go. And it also goes to mention that, uh, and and this is one of our news stories. Adrian Peterson dislocated his shoulder this past week. Correct. Um, so I mean, it, his age is showing. His injury proneness is showing. Um, it it I I do agree with you that Washington could be a landing spot. Um, it just it begs the question. Washington always has these weird, um, I guess you could say, undercard type of uh, running backs around, who just blow up for no reason at all. Um, and we've seen it several times over the years. Guys like Alfred Morris. We we love Alfred Morris. We would, but years ago, when when Alfred Morris came into a football game, did we expect Alfred Morris to blow up? Probably not. At the time, no. No, and and then he did, and Alfred Morris had himself a monster year. So Washington has this weird knack for doing that. So I don't, I don't know that Washington would make the move. Um, understanding that we've we've seen other, you know, offensive coordinators around. Um, understanding they were expecting Darius Geist to be the guy, uh, and and obviously he's out for the season. So so I I don't know. Uh, Washington might have something up their sleeves, but we'll have to see. Golden Tate to Tennessee. He's in a contract year. Um, and playing well. Yeah, playing playing very well. He's he's probably the the 
shiniest spot of that uh, Lions offense, even though people aren't really talking about him a whole lot. Um, and maybe it's just because it's expected. Uh, but Golden Tate could wind up with the Tennessee Titans. They need a weapon over there. He's 30 years old, so I, he's not going to be I got a better one for you. Go, I'm, because this is my personal opinion. Golden Tate to the Chiefs. I don't know that the Chiefs would make the move. Uh, the, the Chiefs have um, such a outstanding wide receiver crew over there with guys like like Tyreek Hill. Um, they got they got they got Hill Hill and Kelsey. They need number two guy there. I mean, they have Sammy Watkins over there. True. So so does he become? I mean, would Golden take 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 that number two spot? I, I don't know about all that. And they still have DeAnthony Thomas and Demarcus Robinson over there. But imagine what Mahomes <coughs> would do if he had, say, I don't know, Cooks, Woods, and Cup. Yeah, I, 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 I see what you're saying. If you, gave, if you gave him another explosive weapon, then that could really it, – it's kind of what the Chiefs need because their defense is not good at all. Their yeah. offense has to be explosive. The, the Chiefs' defense makes me want to cry because they're just so terrible. Um – Sammy Watkins, you know, has has somewhat underperformed this year, um, and and but he still has 254 yards after five weeks. So uh, he he is actually looking like like he could, you know, come up and have himself a, a good year. Um, he's had 100. Uh, he's hit 100 yards against the Steelers. He had 55 against the Niners. He had 78 against the Jags, which is actually a pretty good performance. Um, I believe Sammy Watkins is a, a, a you know viable number two there. Um, if they if they got a third one, I could see it. I don't know that Golden Tate's the guy. Um, it it could be it, it could be something fun. It could be something interesting. But with their how their offense is rolling and how everybody seems to be meshing over there, I don't see the Chiefs making that move on a guy like Golden Tate. But I could see Golden Tate being shuffled around somewhere. Um, people were talking about the Patriots, um, which I think is just the land of dead receivers over there. Um, there, there's there's a number of guys that that could be shuffled around, and the other question becomes how explosive does a guy like Golden Tate become if he does go to certain places? So that's because he's got to learn a whole new system. So that there's a lot of questions there. No, you're right. No, especially for fifteen million dollars that he's about to be making or that he is making. I mean, mm, and probably due for another big contract as well. Yep, he is thirty years old, going on thirty one. I mean, it's it's a big one. What else you got for him? Uh, all right. Uh, kind of moving down that list here. Uh, kind of a lot of quick hits here. Uh, DM Buchanan to the Jets. I don't know. I think Jets is too much of a rebuild build. I don't really see that one happening. No, I, I think that, that uh, they're wanting to go younger. They're, they're wanting to build their team. Um, Buchanan is 26. Um, he'll be 27. Um, the cards could get something for him. Uh, but I, I don't know that that uh, he's really going to help the Jets. I think he's going to be too expensive. Uh, he's a former round one guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that Deion Buchanan would be worth the, the while of the, the New York Jets at this point. Here's a funny one. Jamie Collins to the Patriots. <laughs> it's not out of, out, of, out of this realm. It's not out of bounds. No. They need the help. No, they, they do need the help. Um uh, God, and and you know they're they're saying that he could very well wind up back there. It, it's it. 
Those two teams have been linked for a while. There always seems to be a Patriots-Browns trade every year. It seems like. And, and we hate it, don't we? We just we hate these trades. I think it's, I, and granted, the Browns are doing better this year, but I think it just turns into Belichick just uh, taking advantage of his old former team and just taking what he wants. Yeah. Um, he's got a, a four-year – he had a four-year $50 million contract with the Browns. It, it really hasn't, you know, worked out. He – he missed 11 games last year. He had a concussion. Then he tore his MCL. Um, I mean, he, he's in Joe, Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey, really. I mean, they they've shown up and they've been the the uh, the top guys. I don't I don't believe that Collins. Um, I don't know that the the Patriots would make take the chance on him. I, I don't know that they would at this point, um, having known him. People people are saying, yeah, yeah, they they could use the. The, the linebacker, but... Uh, uh. So we're talking about Carl Joseph. What do you think about him going to the Falcons? I think it's a good landing spot, especially when we're talking about how bad that defense has been. Yeah, they need any defensive help that they can get. It, their their defense is just dying. Um, that's just the fact. Um, Carl Joseph, former first-round guy, he's not in a contract year at this point. He's on the third year of his deal. Um, he's young, 25 years old. They could use the help. He's good safety. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like this move. I think that's a great landing spot. Um, Atlanta is, is yeah. Craig Robertson to the Steelers. I disagree with this, but I don't think Saints can really afford to let their defense stagger anymore by getting rid of one of your better pieces. Uh, they. You, you don't want to give them up, I, I don't think. Good linebacker. 30 years old. Um, he, he's one of their better pieces, but at the same time, I, I, don't, I don't know, going to the Niners, I, I don't know that the Niners necessarily need... The Steelers. Oh, the Steelers. Going to the Steelers, I don't know that the Steelers need them. I don't know that the Steelers need them. The Steelers have a, a, a very good defense. I mean, I, I mean they, they've notoriously had a good defense. Good secondary. Um, bad against the run. I don't know. I don't know about this fit. Does he does he take the place of a Ryan Shazier? Not quite. Not quite. And that's that's I guess the the bigger question. Does he does he take the place of a Shazier? And I don't think he fills those shoes. Um, I I think if you're looking for a guy that's going to take the place of a Ryan Shazier, you're going to draft a young guy and you're going to bring him in. You're going to draft the next C.J. Mosley. You're going to draft a guy that that can play that linebacker position well. That is young. That you can invest in long term. Shazier was young, and and they lost him in that unfortunate accident. I, I don't know. I I believe in in drafting a running back rather than picking up a thirty year old running back from New Orleans. Now this next one, or I linebacker rather not I, running back. I like a lot, and and that's the Bears shipping Marcus Cooper to the Chiefs. Why does everybody want the Chiefs to get more receivers? I, I don't know. You're this is cornerback. Oh. Marcus Cooper. Oh, sorry. I'm going. I'm getting high. Um, what are they? I mean, they need improvements on their defense. Um, and the Bears can afford to shed some peace off the defensive for as well as they've been playing. They could. Um, and the Chiefs. It. It. it all, what it would do. It takes pressure off Mahomes, which could be huge. You don't. You don't want a young quarterback like Mahomes to have to 
blow up the stats every day. Put up 35 points every week just to win. Yep, and I, I get it. It, um, it, it. it gets exhausting for the offense. <clears throat> Kendall Fuller's good. They do have Orlando Skandrick over there. Um, Steve Nelson is uh, is decent. Um, I I could see it. I don't think it's necessary. I think their secondary is fine. I mean, you got Ron Parker, you got Eric Berry, Kendall Fuller. Um, I I mean, I could see him being plugged in that number two spot. But if Steve Nelson and Orlando Skandrick are already there, what do you need? Why do you need them? I mean, it it sounds like it, you know they they run that that uh, uh, three four. You know, and and it sounds like they could just use a little bit of a pass rush, really. Allen Bailey, Xavier Williams, and Chris Jones have not been, you know, really, uh, I guess, living up to their expectations. I think that they could use a little more help up front in their front seven as opposed to somebody in their secondary. But maybe that's just my thought. That's fair. And the last one here, and this is just kind of a little one, but kind of a big one. Um... Vinatieri to the Chargers. <laughs> Why? And specifically, it's Vinatieri and 2019 sixth-round pick for Caleb Sturgis and 2019 fourth-round pick. Why? The Chargers have a way better opportunity to go deep in, into the playoffs, and uh, Vinatieri is good and Sturgis isn't. <sighs> I like it and I don't. I understand Adam Vinatieri, great kicker, um, one of the greatest of all time. But uh, I, I do I think Caleb Sturgis is bad. I don't know if he's bad. I mean he's he's okay. So we're we're talking. He's he's had five games. He's missed three field goals over five games. Now as I as I've stated before. Um, we, we've had several years of uh, power kickers. We're always talking about power kickers. Oh, the power kicker is is what we want. We want the – it seems like this has is, is changed ever since um, Sebastian Janikowski got drafted by the Raiders. It seems like we're, we're always, always, always talking about, oh, well, this guy can kick a 62-yarder. This guy can kick a 63-yarder. And I feel like that little bit of razzle-dazzle is there. But then we're over here talking about kickers um, that that you know uh, are. I remember back in the '90s, we were always talking about kickers being accurate and how good they are. How uh, you know? And I remember kickers almost being automatic. It was nice to see a guy like Jason Hansen trot onto the field. It was nice to see a guy like a Gary Anderson trot out on the field or a Matt Stover, or even Vinatieri. And Vinatieri is kind of the last of of that kind, that accurate kind. Caleb Sturgis. Even though he's more of a power kicker, I mean, looking at his stats, okay, he had a bad year with Miami back in 2013. He was 34 for or 26 for 34, and and 26 for 34 is not uh, um, a, a great stat line. And he had a bad year. He had bad years with the Dolphins. But then if you look at his his stats from the years recent, I mean, Eagles 22 for 18. That's not bad. Uh, 41, so. 41 for 35. That is not bad. Or, I'm sorry, 35 for 41. Not bad. Um, three for three last year. He, he got picked up by the Eagles late. Um, and with the Chargers, nine for 12 right now. He's not doing bad. I, I can't sit here and say that Caleb Sturgis is a bad kicker the way that you're making him out to be because Caleb Sturgis is actually performing well. Uh, <clears throat> nine for 12 is not, not bad. 
um, for five games games in. Um, and and if you look at it for the Chiefs, he went three for two against the Chiefs, one for one against the Bills, one for one against the Rams, four for three against the or sorry three for four against the Niners, two for three against the Raiders. I mean, I, I like Caleb Sturgis. I, I think he's a good kicker. I don't think he's a bad kicker by any means. But like I was saying, we always talk about these power kickers. We're always talking about the Sebastian Janikowskis and the the Matt Praters. Oh, you can boot this 65-yard field goal. Who cares? I get this. I get that we get to see this little bit of razzle dazzle, and that's all well and good. But I, I mean, and and we and I I just remember kickers always being automatic, and and now they're not so much. But Caleb Sturgis is not having a very bad career right now, and I I can't I can't justify trading away Caleb Sturgis in a six-round pick for Adam Vinatieri at this point when you know Vinatieri is going to wind up waltzing his way out the door pretty soon anyway. The, the fact of the matter is here is uh, since Vinatieri came in the league, the, the Chargers have had 13 kickers. Yeah, they have. The Chargers have – they don't like to make big moves on kickers. I mean, really. They, they don't like to make moves on kickers. I mean, they've had Nate Kading. Um, they've had who was great. Who was great, and and um, they they had uh, God. Who else was there? John Carney was there for a minute, and John Carney. Let's let's rewind on John Carney for a minute, okay? They picked up John Carney as a kicker, but John Carney was never a kicker from the get. He he was never he was never made to be a kicker. When when John Carney was brought in as a kicker, John Carney was a punter. And then he got scooped up as a kicker, and I, I think he started playing kicker for the Saints um, when Garrett Hartley went down. Or actually, he wasn't down. He, he, had a, uh, he was suspended. And then John Carney wound up getting a contract from, from um, the Chargers for, for being a kicker. I, and then they went and picked up Nick Novak. And, and I like Nick Novak. I, I don't understand why everybody doesn't like Nick Novak. Nick Novak's 37 years old. Um, I, I just don't get it. Nick Novak has, has played good ball with, with uh, the Texans right now. He's, he's with them. He's doing well. I like Nick Novak. Um, but Caleb Sturgis is a good kicker. I, I think the, the, if they're going to do anything, um, they're, they're going to go ahead and, and uh, you know sign into a long-term deal. And, and the, the report is that the Chargers are signing another kicker. I think it's kind of stupid that they're signing another kicker. I think it's a waste of money and a waste of time. Seven kickers in two years. I mean, you know, you can't – they just need to understand that, um, you know, they, they, they can't just – I feel like the, there's too much of a knee-jerk reaction out of the Chargers when it comes to this. There's too much of a knee-jerk reaction from the Chargers, too much of a knee-jerk reaction from the fans. The guy has three missed field goals out of 12. I can't get mad about that. I can't. You're right. And then, and then we're, they go out and in their way of remedying this situation, they go and pick up Mike Badgley, which they just did, and that's going to be the guy that remedies this. Yes, I can work. Guy's never kicked an NFL field goal in his life. He's he's kicked college football field goals, but I mean, he he was 25 for 30 as a sophomore, 21 for 26 as a junior, 13 or 17 for 23 as a senior. So. 
I'm supposed to be happy about those numbers, but I'm supposed to be upset about Caleb Sturgis's numbers, which are really, honestly, better than this guy's numbers. I can't. I can't. It's just, it's not feasible. And so for people who are talking about this Anna Vinatieri going to the Chargers, I just can't. I can't. I can't justify it. Not at this point. I believe the Chargers are a playoff team right now, as is, and I think they should just stay with Caleb Sturgis. I don't buy that trade at all. <coughs> That's a fair point. I, I think I agree with you on this one. Yeah. And, and I, I think the, it's just a weird thing. It's weird. People always are always talking about like weird trades about like players that don't make any sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. For all you San Diego, L.A., whatever the hell they are, people out there, understand you have a good kicker. Shut up and smile. How about that? That'll work. What, what else you got? Okay. Well, now then. News around the NFL. Let's talk injuries. We got more injuries. More and more injuries. Justin Houston's down for a few weeks. He's got a hamstring injury. Um how how negative is this? How how horrible is this? This this hurts. He's he's a he's a good bet to that team. It, 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 they're they're going to struggle without him. Yeah, I I like Justin Houston. Um, he's a good linebacker. It's going to hurt the Chiefs. Um, a defense that's struggling oh, already. Already struggling. Yeah, already struggling. Um, it's going to hurt them. It's it's going to be nasty. Um, he's a round three pick. He's twenty nine years old. <sighs> He's a good player, very, very good player, I, and he's got three sacks on the year already. Um, I, I think they're going to miss uh, Houston quite a bit, and, and it's he, he's a great run stopper. That's that's a big thing. He's a great run stopper. He's good in coverage. He, he knows what he's doing. I mean, so he, he's down with the hamstring injury. He's set to miss uh, two to four weeks uh, with this injury. Um, Travis Frederick, I mean, we kind of saw this one going. He goes to IR. Are you surprised? Not really. Not really, no. We we kind of expected him to go to IR. Um, Some people were hoping that he was going to return this year to the Cowboys, and he just goes on IR. Um, Just a a rough time for Dak Prescott because he's got his, um, you know, uh, big center out, which is sad. Um, But Frederick goes out. Um, Also going on – Going on, uh, uh, well, he, he's out, sat out for practice this week. He's probably going to be out for a few weeks. Devontae Freeman, bone contusion um, in his ankle. Uh, how crappy is this for the Atlanta Falcons? It, it really sucks, but luckily for them, they have two two other very liable running backs, in my opinion, Coleman and uh, Edo Smith. Yes. Um, so I, I it's going to hurt. I think Freeman's definitely the better runner of the three. Well, yeah. But I think they can survive. Tevin Coleman, I like we were saying before, Tevin Coleman has shown that he's a, a number one guy, um, and, and he can be a number one guy. So I, I like that Tevin Coleman is there. Um, they, they've got a guy that can move. So I, I was okay with this, um, you know, with, with letting Freeman sit for a few weeks and letting him recoup and doing what he's got to do. <coughs> Atlanta's going to get away with one here. Um, I'm kind of adding into that. I mean, he's been hurt the last few weeks, but um... – it's becoming more, more and more of a thing that the Jacksonville offense is struggling without Fournette in the field. Oh, for sure. And Yellen's doing the best he can. He's 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 having good games, but Yellen is not Fournette, and it, it's showing. And this could be a good opportunity for the um, the Falcons. They're going to be able to shop 
Tevin Coleman around, I think, a little bit. They're going to be able to take him out there and, and say, hey, look at our look at our guy. Look at how good he is. Hey, anybody want to sign him? This could actually be kind of a, a window shopping experience for some teams out there um, that are that are looking for a running back. Teams, you know, teams that like like the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, that they need a running back. They could shop him around. Tevin Coleman goes out and has a good performance. Freeman comes back. Oh, hey, Devin, why don't you go over here and go play for them? So it could work out. Um, <clears throat> gosh, man, I've got this horrible cough coming back here. Um, Jamal Charles. Let's talk signings. Jamal Charles signed by the Jags. Um, to me, Charles, I, I used to be a card-carrying member of the Jamal Charles fan club. Everybody was. Um, but I do not think he passes Yelton on the step chart. Is... Jamal Charles, I mean, do you think Jamal Charles is the Jamal, becomes the Jamal Charles of old? No. Do you think you'll ever I see don't. it again? No, you won't. <clears throat> he has had, what, two ACL tears? Something like that. And I, I, I used to love Jamal Charles, but I, I, he's not the back he used to be. He will, will never return to the back he used to be. I, it's a depth signing. It's, it's, a, it's a veteran presence, but he's not going to, he's not, he'll, he'll be number three in his depth chart, even. Number four with with Fournette back in my opinion. Yeah, um, I I like this signing to be honest with you. Um, I hope he winds up. But to be honest with you, like just for nostalgia's sake, I hope that he takes the starting position away from from T.J. Yeldon. Um, Charles is is uh, he was a speedster. He he had some moments where you you go, there's the Jabal Charles I knew when he was playing for Denver. Um, Denver. Yeah, he played for Denver. 2017. Well, you know what? And yeah, twenty seven Jamal Charles wasn't he wasn't was not great in Denver at all. He had sixty nine carries for two ninety six, but you saw little hints of greatness. He had a four point three average, which wasn't too bad. He did have a touchdown, but every now and then when he would get the ball, you would say, There's the Jamal Charles I know. And and yeah, but the Jamal Charles I know is from the Chiefs. Yes, but the the way he moved, the way he was juking certain guys out, uh, Jamal Charles still showed he has something. He has some gas in the tank. Um, and, and I think that, that we could see that out of Jamal Charles. I believe I don't him. think we will. I, we could. I, I'm not saying we will, but we could. And, and I like Jamal Charles um, as a person. He's a great guy, too. So uh, hopefully, for the Jags' sake, he can do something with Fournette being out. Um, building on the running back stuff, uh, a lot of running back news this week. Rashad Penny got benched by Pete Carroll this week. And, and it's not that he was starting a race, just but he got fully benched, not a single carry, nothing, not a, not anything. Um, he, he, in, in favor of uh, Chris Carson, who's obviously having a good year, and Mike Davis. Yeah, and um, so they had their best rushing games. Um, one of their best rushing games in Week Five. Um, <coughs> Rashad Penny was anchored to the bench. Um, they had 184 combined rushing yards on 31 carries. In that game, uh, between Chris Carson and Mike Davis, um, he, he's and and so the quote from from Pete Carroll is this: "He's handling it, but he's frustrated, and that's exactly what I want. I want him to be frustrated. I want him to be anxious to get out there. I want him to be unsatisfied with what's going on right now. That's fine. I think that's the only way he should be." He's classy and he's for the team and every time he would say for the team and every time he would say anything, he would always talk about the team first. So he's got his priorities in line and I expect him to keep battling. 
Now, see, I, I've always liked Pete Carroll. That's that it, just continues as uh, something that he that he does really well. And Pete Carroll's a good coach. He's a, he, and 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 he continues to prove it. He's trying to push his players. He's trying to push his players. Uh, now, when Rashad Penny was drafted, I said that Rashad Penny wasn't going to pan out. I told you he wasn't going to pan out. I was very clear about my opinion on that. I didn't believe Rashad Penny was a number one guy. Um, I think Pete Carroll is actually just learning that the hard way, and I think that they're realizing that Rashad Penny is not the guy. He had 92 yards on 29 attempts through four weeks. Um, he hasn't been productive, period. He just hasn't. Um, so do, I guess question number one, does Rashad Penny wind up getting his life together here? <coughs> Seahawks running game is, is running so smooth that he's, it's going to be hard for him to get his opportunity. Yep, and uh, I, I believe that, that um, Penny, uh, to be honest with you, I think his career is over before it even started. I think Rashad Penny is going to finish out his rookie deal. He's not going to get his shot. Rashad Penny is going to be gone after his rookie deal is up. I think he's going to be purely a depth guy, and that's going to be that. Now, um, with that, we've got some contract stuff going on here. Um, so the Giants wave Eric Flowers. Um, they send him out the door. He's having a very rough year. It doesn't surprise me. It, In the year he's had, it, it's kind of like uh, it's coming. Yeah. They, on on Tuesday they said, or on on Sunday they said, well, it won't. A lot of people were saying it won't be surprised if he was waived by Tuesday, and they weren't wrong. Um, Eric Flowers does get waived this week. Uh, just, I mean, twenty four years old. Uh, former Miami Hurricane. He's, uh, does, does Eric Flowers catch on somewhere else? I think he will just because of how he has played, but I don't think he's going to have an impact anymore. Yeah, they, well, there's, <clears throat> right now he is visiting with the Jaguars. Um, I don't know that the Jags need him. They could probably use him as a depth guy, but I don't believe Eric Flowers winds up catching on. Um, several people were unhappy with his performance, and rightfully so. Um, if one of the league's worst defenses don't need you, there's a problem. Yes, yes, there is a problem. So uh, Eric Flowers, uh, he clears waivers. He's visiting with the Jags now, so that's something to look at. Um, when it comes to the signings, however, Derek Anderson signed by the Buffalo Bills. What does this mean for Josh Allen? What does this mean for the quarterback situation? What does this mean for the offense in Buffalo? I think it's a scare tactic. You're not, you're you're gonna you don't you don't get someone like Josh Allen early in the first round to bail on him this early. This is a scare tactic to say, hey. Step the fuck up. 82 yards. 82 yards this past week, or was it 89? Something like that. He didn't break 100. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, so Derek Anderson, former Browns quarterback, former basically a journeyman, um, <coughs> former uh, Arizona Cardinals quarterback, uh, Panthers. Panthers quarterback, former playoff quarterback, made the playoffs with the Cleveland Browns in a, in a monster uh, year there. Does Derek Anderson take the starting position? No. I you know and and I I can't say no to that. That's the thing I can't. Josh Allen is playing so bad, and Nate Peterman played so bad that I think you you only have a choice. You you don't even have a choice but to to if give him a shot. If you're a team that could turn things around, sure. But Buffalo's going to be in rebuild mode for a while. You, you got to give uh, Josh Allen a chance to potentially develop. I mean, rookies don't develop overnight. You got to give them time. Most rookies do better sitting back for a year, i.e., I, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. But 92 yards? 92 yards hey, for a first round guy? Don't give me credit. 
I mean, 82, I, whatever. I, 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 see, I see your point, but... I pick up a guy first round, I expect him to be Andrew Luck. But Derek Carr, or not Derek Carr, Derek Anderson is not a guy you're going to build. What, 34? Well, he's not a guy you're going to build, but are, at, at what point are you going, I need to get some wins for my football team? This is the second game this year where Josh Allen has not broken 100 yards. Now, understanding he came in against the Ravens late in the game, 74 yards. But, I mean, look at this. He, he hasn't broken 300 yet. 245, 196, 151, 82. Um, he has more interceptions and touchdowns. He only has two two touchdowns passing this year. He has five interceptions this year. Um, I, I, you know, and I understand he's taking on certain teams that are, are good, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Vikings, the Packers, the Titans. He hasn't had an easy schedule. That said, I mean, his only good game has come against the Vikings, and even then he didn't break 200 yards. And and the only reason he, he did well was because of the fact that he was a physical quarterback that, that ran the ball a lot. I mean, he hurtled Anthony Barr. He showed that he's an athlete, but I don't know that I buy him as a quarterback in the NFL. He hasn't his, his completion percentage this year, 53%. Way below average. His overall quarterback rating this year, 60.4. Now, if I'm if I'm think, sitting there, I'm going, oh, I don't know. This Derek Anderson guy might be worth a look. No, and, and I'm with you, but, but at the same time, um, they're, they're going to give him a lot more opportunity to screw up before they're going to they're pull the plug on, on the Josh Allen Project, in my opinion. Do you think that if the end of the at the end of the year Josh Allen is doing still this bad, do you think that they go out and draft a quarterback? If he if he can use it at this point, yes, they'll draft a quarterback. But Derek Anderson will not be the starter for a single snap this season. Wow, that's bold. Um, so I, I'm I'm gonna say otherwise. I think Derek Carr comes in near near about mid season or Derek Anderson. We, we Derek Carr. Yeah, I know. Derek Anderson comes in. Uh, Midway through the season. I, I think that's going to be a big one. Now, um, big signing, big re-signing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ali Marpet. Um, he gets, uh, Alexander Marpet gets re-signed. Um, 25 years old. This is a great signing to me. Five years, $54 million. Um, great offensive guard. I mean, the, the, the Bucks need it. I like it. What do you think? It's a good pickup. I mean, Jameis Winston is going to be the starter. It gives them more protection to try to be explosive. They they have the receiving core. They have what they need to be a good offense, and, and this just helps to solidify that. Yep, he, he gets extended um, all the way through 2023, <clears throat> which makes this a, a very fun contract. Um, final year of his deal is is this year. He, he was a second-round pick. He, he makes just south of 900000 on a base salary. Um, Marpet has, has actually shown for a second round guy that, that he plays like a first round guy. Um, and, and I like this. He gets out of his rookie deal, finally gets his big money. He, he played like a, like a champ. He gets $27 million guaranteed on this contract. He's a key guy to that offensive line. Hands down he is. And, and I love this selection. So, um, and he actually had, uh, he was the voted the seventh best amongst guards in the NFL. So worth the money, I think the, the Bucks made a great move here. Now, speaking of contracts, we got to talk HaHa Clinton Dix. Um, HaHa was saying that he is <clears throat> uh, not sure. I mean, basically he said, I'm not going to be a Packer after this year. Do you, do you think that that's true? Or is he just saying stuff? 
Do the Packers have something against him? Does he not want to play for the Packers? What do you think this is? Because he really didn't elaborate much on anything. I I think uh, this is one of the situations where he clearly doesn't want to be there anymore. He wants to be in a, on, a, on a better defense. And I don't think the Packers are going are to fight that too much. I mean, if you've got a guy who doesn't want to be there, why force him? I think they're going to let him walk. <clears> I think that's what it's going to be. Now, if you're the Packers and you got Ha-Ha Clinton Dix on a contract here, are you contemplating putting him up for trade bait? It's not a bad idea. <coughs> I mean, in my opinion, I mean, you got a guy who you don't want to keep. That's what you. That's exactly what you do. You, you try to trade him and get something out of it. Yeah, and and we know that the window is kind of closing on on the um, the Aaron Rodgers dynasty. I think he's basically in his last year or his last contract, rather. Um, Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, he, he just got signed to a, a what a four year deal, I believe it was. I, I think they're they're realizing that they're on that last leg. Um, if you just let Clinton Dix walk, you save the cap space, okay, whatever. But at the same time, if you you trade away HaHa and you wind up getting you know a draft pick for him or something, you get something for the guy, and that way you can fill that hole. I think it would be a lot smarter for uh, the Packers, and the Packers have been known to do that in the past. So with the trade deadline coming up, this is a guy I'd be looking to deal um, because I think the Packers know, and, and as much as they like to fight, I I think the Packers know that they're not going to um, win, be winning a Super Bowl this year. I, I think that's that's a pretty known fact, don't you? I, I agree. They're, they're not playing nearly as explosive as they have in the past to do that. I, I, if, if, if they're not thinking about trading Clinton Dix at this point, I think it's foolish. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's it's kind of a dumb move to not dump them and just get what you can for them. Um, last but not least, <clears throat> we got to talk uh, Mike Tomlin. Um, so Mike Tomlin gets fined by the NFL for basically saying negative things about the referees, um, saying that the calls that they were making were ridiculous. Uh, he, he criticized all the referees in that in their game. Uh, against the Falcons, they find him twenty five k. I mean, he calling the he called the questionable calls a joke and asked the NFL to get better. Um, man, he said, uh, "Man, these penalties are costing people's games and people games and jobs. Uh, we got to get them correct." And I'm so pissed about it, to be quite honest with you. And that's all I'm going to say on it. <clears throat> um. Okay. Is he wrong? Um, is he wrong? No. No. Um, he's not wrong at all. There's definitely an issue. There's a consistency issue in, in calls in calls being made. Um, whether you agree with the we'll, we'll take the uh, rough and pass penalty in particular. Um, whether you agree or not with what the rule is, my biggest problem is it's not consistent. It's not consistently called. Like. You you can have the most outrageous rule in the world, and, and, and the world hates it. But if you're calling, if if that call is being made consistently, okay, fine. Right. Everyone's on the same playing field. Yes. But I do not feel that most penalties are called consistently. Yeah, I. <clears throat> Whether it be rough and passer or pass interference. Yep, I I, I think that um, the roughing the passer penalty is is probably the most consistent penalty that we we see getting called wrong or. I mean, even during the Vikings game, we had a, a call where, from a technical standpoint, it was it was roughing the passer. But I I also, um, I also kind of agree that it was kind of shoddy 
you know, you could you could have let that one go. Even even I, as a Vikings fan, was saying you can let that one go. Um, Eagles player hit Kirk Cousins around the waist and slid down his legs up to around his shins. And uh, because he slid downwards, the referee threw the flag and called it <clears throat> a roughing the passer call uh, for hitting him below the knees. Um, I get it. And at the same time, I'm kind of going, eh, I, even though it's a violation of the rule, I think you could have just let that one walk. And on, a, on an occasion, you got to let him play. <clears throat> there are just so many times where these, these calls, these penalties are made wrong. Um, pass interference, I, I think, is something that, um, you know, people, the pass interference call is, is something that, that is irritating because when you do the pass interference, when, when you always see the pass interference call, the team that has it against them always says the call is wrong. Yes. I, I mean, really. And, I mean, we, we saw it, and, and the most notable one I can point out would be the Lions and the Cowboys in the playoffs. Everybody was saying, oh, it's pass interference, it's pass interference, blah, 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 blah. And, and then the other side is going, well, hang on a minute. And they, the other side, to me, wasn't wrong. It's really hard to cause pass interference when you're getting face masked all the way down the field. You know, it's really hard to make a play on the ball when you got a guy gripping your face mask. So, I mean, you, you know, the, the pass interference calls most times are, are – pretty correct. I, I actually think there's more missed pass interference calls than there are made pass interference calls in this league. Oh, I 100% agree. <clears throat> you know, the, the, you know, grabbing of the jersey, you know, a lot, of, and I get it, you know, the old saying is, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I the, the roughing the passer one is, is kind of rough. There's, there's a few things like the illegal hands to the face calls that get a little questionable. <clears throat> there's um you know uh certain helmet to helmet calls that get a little questionable um and it's hard to tell and and it's I don't know that I can I can be upset at referees over the helmet to helmet stuff and in the way they call it because a lot of times it's really hard to tell when a guy is lowering his shoulder or a guy is lowering and, his helmet. And it's been bet that one particular has been better this year because they changed it to where they're not going to call it on what they deem to be incidental contact. Right, and and that's gotten, the smart. Thing. In that sense, it's gotten better. Right, and and uh, you know the the guy lowering the shoulder uh, is you know you can only really tell did he lower his shoulder or did he lower his helmet you can only really tell when you're when you're looking at. Uh, a slow motion instant replay. So exactly, you can only tell that in, in a replay. Um, yeah, I think um those calls are um there no there's no reviewing it. It's uh the ref has to make a, make a call on the spot. Yeah, and you think about how fast this game moves. That's hard. Yeah, that's where I'm gonna back up. I'm gonna back up the referees. A lot of these calls is hard to make. Yep, and now I as far as there there are certain calls like like I see. That then I'm like, okay, that was you know the referee called that a penalty and it shouldn't have been a penalty, and and we've seen it on several occasions. I mean, we say we can't say we, that we can't uh, that we that we haven't seen them. Um, we we've seen the referees make bad calls as far as certain penalties go. Uh, the ref the the players are standing there holding their hands up, going, "What the hell?" Um, even the announcers a lot of times are going, "Well, that wasn't really you know." Good penalty there. And, and I'm, I'm going to do a little shout-out here because I, I, um, me and him have talked about it a lot. And this is a shout-out to my, to my, to my brother, uh, Tyson Dean. Um, he, he's said on, on numerous times, uh, he's like, one, detect, one penalty in particular. He's like, he's like, he's like Tyler, there's holding in every play. Oh, yeah. And he's absolutely right. Um, the, the refs have to pick and choose and say, well, which ones are we going to call and which ones are we going to let go? 
Um, you, you can't tell that the ref doesn't see a holding call every play. I see one almost every single play. Right. It's there all, every single time. But they have to call the ones that are more obvious than others. Yeah, I think I think it's a lot of times it depends on on you know how egregious the penalty is. There, it's it seems to be the, like the it, issue. It, 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 if if the hold caused the running back to be able to get a sixty yard run, yeah, they're going to call it on you. Yep. I mean, and and that's the kind of the question of the day. You know, like how do we we create that consistency? I mean, obviously the, we can't send every play to New York and have them review it on the spot. No, you you be uh, talking about games not. Game starting at one, ending at seven. Right. So I mean, at a certain point, we we you know you gotta. I don't know if there's a matter of, of you gotta have every you know more referees you know sitting in certain spots. You gotta you gotta have different view viewpoints. I mean, who knows? But something's got to change. Twenty two players in the field. Twenty two <coughs> referees. Yeah. You, one you, referee per player. Per player. Yeah. That's it. So um, there's that. Now, Tyler, that is our, our news around I, the I league. I got one more thing to add. You, I, I know I didn't tell you this. Oh, one. you little rat I'm, bastard. I'm going to keep this low key and kind of quick and vague. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get anybody in trouble or anyone. I don't want to cause anything. Okay. But, uh, I have a friend at work uh-huh. who has a friend who is a higher up for one of the 32 teams. That's as, as much details I want to give. Okay. It, but it's a reliable source. Uh-huh. Um, it's very quiet because it's early and no one's talking about it. And I, I don't want to put anybody in any sort of hurt. Don't want to burst the bubble, huh? Yeah, but yep. uh, the, the higher-up for said team has said that um, within the next couple of years, we could be seeing a, a risk of a uh, season lockout. Ooh. In the sense of uh, – <clears throat> you'd think, like, oh, it's something political and something this. It's uh regards to uh, franchise tags. Yeah, and this year in particular, you you got the Earl Thomas, you got Le'Veon Bell. Um, players are starting to get more frustrated with the they they either want a contract or they or uh, let them go. And franchise tags kind of uh, put a uh, damper on that. I, I I see their perspective. I can see their perspective. Here's the kicker. You know, um, <clears throat> the franchise tag is both good and bad. Uh, it's <clears throat> it helps these teams um, in a lot of ways where you know they they may not have. Let's say a guy wants $20 million, okay, and you franchise tag him and you can franchise him for $12 million and you have, the you have let's say, $15 million in, in cap space. That's, that's the kicker. I understand these guys want their money. At the same time, we also, you know, I feel like, like a lot of times the NFLPA and a lot of times these lockouts, they're, they're going more and more and more and more against the teams and the owners being able to do things in a viable fashion. The, the franchise tag has been thing a thing in the NFL for a long, long time. And and these players, I, I get that, that they uh, uh, want their money at the same time. You know, some teams may not be able to afford them. And if they want to stay with their team, they might. That's the, the downside to this for the players, too. They might have to wind up taking a pay cut. I mean, look at what Tom Brady has to do. He wants to stay with the Patriots. Tom Brady took, you know, he went from a $25 million deal. He gave himself a, what, a $12 million pay cut so that he could make sure that he had the proper pieces around him so that they had the cap room to do it. You know, and and so that his team could win games and win Super Bowls, and that's what he did. He went out and won games and won Super Bowls because he went and cut his pay. That's what these players are going to have to do. You don't want to be franchise tagged. You want your long-term deal. Fine. I get it. But when you do take your contract, unfortunately, in a lot of situations, you're going to have to take less money in order to play for this team. 
And you're not going to be getting that, you know, if, if a team can only sign you by franchise tagging you or handing you a one-year deal, I mean, well, really, what's the difference? You get a one-year deal or you get a franchise tag. Who the hell cares? I mean, whether or not, I mean, great, you want you want your $12 million? I mean, you get franchise tag. Either way, you're probably going to get $12 million. I mean, the, with the way the prices are going up anyway. So what does it hurt them? I agree. What does it hurt them? I mean, and then you go out and you be a free agent. You get a you become an unrestricted free agent. I mean, it's it's basically. It, but the other side of it is, Earl Thomas. And and look, and <clears throat> this is another thing. I I think this is more so, and it's it's kind of frustrating. I, for the first time in 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 a lot of these situations, I stand with the players because I understand that they want the money to be able to play ball. I understand it's hard to play football under the guise of a one-year deal. I get it. It sucks. Same time, at a certain point, you just want to look at some of these players and go shut up and play ball. You know, you're, you're getting paid million dollars to catch a ball. You know, and, and that's maybe that's just the, the um, maybe that's just the, the, commoner uh, in me coming out uh, in this situation because I know it's more there's more to it than that and I respect it but at the same time I'm over here going hang on man <clears throat> you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to to be an NFL superstar to get endorsements and you're going to be complaining about the fact that you're not getting 10 million dollars more than what your the 15 million dollar salary you're already making you're going to get signed to your long-term term deal regardless you're going to get your deal but some of these guys, and I understand the shelf life for an NFL player is anywhere from 10 to 15 years. I get it. These guys have to get the fact that, that owners do this, and, and they're going to be making more money on it. And either way, they make good money on it. I don't understand. Either way, they make double, sometimes triple, sometimes even more than that, what they're going to make when they're on a franchise deal. Absolutely. So, or when they're when they're franchise tag, they're gonna what they 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 make more money than they normally would. So I don't understand why why we're being upset about it. If you if you go into your franchise tag, great, take your franchise tag, bust through. Now I can see the frustration of a guy like Le'Veon Bell, where they're just franchise tagging him and franchise tagging him and franchise tagging him because they don't have the dough to pay him a long term deal. I get it, I understand, but you know, for certain guys. They don't want to be there on the guise of a franchise tag. I don't understand. You're making buku dollars, and then you get to be an unrestricted free agent. Sometimes the team franchise tags you because they want to see whether or not you can do it long term. You just don't know. So I I, I believe that that uh, the NFLPA right now has they they've got to understand that franchise tags are are a part of the game, and that's what what has to happen. I mean, don't get rid of the franchise tag. It's good for the teams and it's good for the players in the long run. The players are just getting dollar signs in their hands and being greedy in the situation. And I'll, I'll try to keep you guys in the loop if I do get more details. But, but if this does seem to take off, i sorry to say, I mean, we may just be a little local up thing, but uh, you heard it first from Scotty and Tyler. Oh, yeah, first time in eight years that we would have had a, a uh, lockout like that. We haven't had one since what the the 2010-2011 season. And I'm that was mistaken. a threat. They still had the point sixteen games. Yeah. The last time we had a threat, it was then. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. 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 So uh, now, Tyler, I, I believe I made some headway in our predictions. A little bit. You're down two. I'm down two. So, so last I week, I'm forty three, thirty three, and two. 
you were at 41, 35, and 2. No, last, last week I was down what, 2? You're down 4. 4, you 4. Yeah, so I made, I made some headway. So, all right. <clears throat> Tyler, uh, tonight, we're in about 10 minutes here, we got the Eagles and the Giants starting up. Um, I'm going Eagles. I'm going Giants. Really? Yes, I wow. am. I'm pulling a Scott and going with the upset. Oh, here. boy. I'm going Eagles on this one. Um, I think Carson Wentz is, is still a little pissed off, and he's going to come out and start firing. Um, Sunday afternoon, Buccaneers-Falcons. Ooh, That's a toughie, isn't it? I'm going Falcons. And the reason I'm going Falcons is I, I think that, that – uh, the Buccaneers' uh, hot streak there is done. I think they're they're done and over with. Um, I'm, I'm going Falcons. I might shoot myself in the foot doing this twice, but I'm going Bucks. Oh, that's good gutsy moves there, and Tyler with his I'm gutsy stuff. I'm trusting on that bad <clears throat> Falcons defense we talked about. Falcons yep, tonight. yep. And uh, Sunday afternoon, Chargers and Browns. Browns. I'm going really going with the Browns. I'm going to go with the San Diego Chargers, L.A. Chargers, Las Vegas Chargers, whatever the fuck they are. Fun fact: uh, Before the season started, you're one in thirty-one for the Browns. Uh, that you know who that one was? What was that? The Chargers. Ah, okay. Well, I'm going to go with the Chargers anyway because I believe in the Chargers. Um, this one's kind of a tough one, and I, I Colts and Jets. That's a that's a toughie. Sunday afternoon, I'm going with the Colts. I believe in Andrew Luck. Wow. Um, I am going with the Colts. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say you probably should. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think Isaiah Crowell uh, you know, doubles up on uh, that performance. <clears throat> Man, coughing like crazy tonight. What's going on, Tyler? Um, Seahawks and the Raiders. Seahawks. Yeah, I'm going with the Seahawks on this one. Uh, Raiders defense is just so bad. Russell Wilson still has some tricks up his sleeve. Uh, I'm going Seahawks. Um, Sunday afternoon, we're talking Panthers and the Redskins. This one's a kind of a defensive battle, don't you think? I mean, I guess the Redskins just did just get decimated by, by the Saints. I'm going to go with Panthers. I think anybody would get decimated by the Saints, but I'm also going Panthers in this situation. Um, this one will be kind of fun, I think. Uh, the Bills and the Texans. Um, I'm going Houston. I'm going Houston. Yeah, I believe in Houston. I don't think Josh Allen has has enough. Um, here's so part of me wants to say this is the blowout of the week, but given what happened with the Buffalo game, I'm just not sure. I'm going Vikings. Vikings and Cardinals. I'm going Vikings. Um, just uh, I, I think the Cardinals are probably the worst team in the NFL right now. Um, so I, I'm going Vikings. Uh, Sunday afternoon, the Steelers and the Bengals. Tough game. This kills me. I'm going Steelers. You're going Steelers. Um, I'm kind of going to be in the same boat there. I'm going with the Steelers in this one. Um, I, I don't think the, the Bungles uh, have enough up their sleeve. Uh, next up, the Bears and the Dolphins. I'm going Bears. To me, easy choice. I'm going with the Bears. Yeah, I, I think the Bears right now are on the cusp of, of winning that that NFC North division, I think that's it's going their way right now. So barring a setback, um, Rams and the Broncos. You're laughing already. <laughs> the Rams, Rams, Rams all day. Rams. Um, next up, we've got the Ravens and the Titans. Um, I mean, after a shaky week, I mean, 
what 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 Kenny said is Ravens defense is definitely intact. Yeah. I and I think Ravens defense is going to rattle Mariota. Yeah, I agree. And I think Joe Flacco's gonna throw all over them. I'm going with the Ravens. I'm going with the Ravens being pissed off after an upset, and I'm, I'm, that's, that's the right I'm going. Yep. Now, um, Jaguars and the Cowboys. Uh, I'm going to go with the Jags on this one. I think their defense comes out uh, rocking and rolling. I think Blake Bortles wants to make up for that four-interception performance. I'm going with the Jags on this one. You're, you're wow, you're, you're really contemplating this one. <laughs> Jags and the Cowboys, really? Is this, is this up for debate? I'm going Jaguars. I was going to say but not uh, by much. I mean, I don't just the offense of the Jaguars is worse than it was, and that team worries me right now. Yeah, I mean, it, we we knew this though. We knew this when the Jags were were good last year that the offense was shaky, um, and that's that's what we're experiencing this year. Um, this one is probably your game of the week. The oh, without a doubt, the Chiefs and the Patriots. Now, now, last time these two met, the Chiefs. Kick the snot out of the New England Patriots. Um, do you think it's more of the same? I'm going Chiefs. This has bit me a couple times already this season, but... Oh? Patriots. Oh, you're going with that one. I think I think after this week we'll be down to one. <laughs> And uh, last but not least, the Monday night football game, the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. I'm going with the Pack. Uh, this is an easy choice for me, too. I'm also going with the Packers. Yep, I'm going with the Pack. Even though Bethard is actually having himself, he had a pretty good showing this past week, um, I'm going with the Pack. I, uh, against a measly care, uh, the Cardinals. So yeah, I want to see how they do against a more explosive offense. Yeah, yeah. three hundred and He still had 360-some-odd yards. I mean, it's worth talking about. So uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, finished for the evening, um, and I uh, hope everybody enjoys the Thursday night football game uh, or enjoyed it. I, I don't, I don't know how quickly this episode is going to get out, but I hope everybody enjoys the Thursday night football game. Um, quick shout out to our sponsors at It's Your Time Massage. Come out and get a massage with uh, our massage therapist Amanda. She is absolutely terrific. Um, get a massage and, uh, remember that it's your time. Also big shout out to our executive producer, Jordan J. Scavone. Check out his books, uh, the mud princess and be my tea. Both fantastic children's books. Check them out. Uh, Jordan, thank you for everything that you do and, uh, all the hard work you put in. Um, and Tyler, I, I think we're, we're set, man. That's it for this week. It's set. 15. Wow. Episode 15, 15 episodes. We gotta we gotta have a celebration or something. Um, we got five episodes till episode twenty, so five more weeks here, and we'll be we'll be what week ten? We'll be talking about uh, episode twenty. Woo, God. Um, so thank you so much for having for listening uh, for the terrific Tyler Dean and myself, the fabulous Scotty Freytown. Have yourselves a wonderful evening, and we'll see you right here next week on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com. <laughs>